0: So I'm gonna say something that might sound superficial, but I would say stay present, which is something that I think I try to remind you of a lot, but we really only ever have this moment. Like we're only guaranteed this moment and it's gonna come and it's gonna go. And it's something that you've been working for for a really long time. You've been imagining it and living in it and you've been building it up in your mind and it's gonna be different. It's going to be its own unique thing, whatever you had set out in your mind, but it's going to be exactly what was meant to be. So just stay right there in that moment with it, and it's going to bring you everything you need.
1: Hi, this is Dan Hughes, and this is the Huron 100 episode of the PRP featuring Lauren Hughes.
2: truly hot mama. It's a little hot in the studio, but it's okay. It's beautiful. We'll have some pictures. We're finally recording in our studio at Ann Arbor Running Company. It's very exciting. Today's edition of the PRP is the visionary edition, the Huron 100 edition. Today's episode is extremely unique and one that I have been waiting for for a long time. Why, you might ask? Why is this so special, Lauren? She knows why. Because today's guest is running the first inaugural edition of the Huron 100, completely and totally by himself. That's right. The race we are chatting about on today's episode is the thought child of our guest. He has been working to put this course together for what, the better part of two or three years, probably? Yeah. And tomorrow he will attempt to run it all consecutively for the first time. But before we dig into that, some housekeeping shout outs of the episode. The PRP listenership is getting a collective shout out on today's episode. All of you, whether this is your first time listening or you have the PRP in your ears frequently, thank you for tuning in. If you listen to the show and you've never contacted me to chat or potentially join the PRP for an episode, you should. It's so much fun and I'd be thrilled to connect and hear more about what you like and what you don't like. And at the very least, if the PRP isn't inspiring you, I hope you are at least learning a little bit more about bananas. I know our guest is. Failing all of our fact quizzes this season so far. But he's smarter. And I'm, I'm filling your pockets with a bunch of uh, awesome party facts, guys. So thanks for listening. Welcome to the PRP. This is the Pre-Race Podcast. This is a show where we connect with runners within a week before a big race they've been preparing for. Guest hosting with me today. She's not nervous at all. She's very in her element here. She is the wife of our esteemed guest. She is perhaps one of the nicest and most gentle people I have ever met in my life. She's a proud mother to two wonderful daughters. She is a crew chief extraordinaire, and she is an aspiring ultra runner herself. Big L dog, Lauren Hughes. Lauren, thanks for being here.
0: Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm good. You're doing good? Yeah.
2: Dan made me call you L dog. I don't think you like that nickname so much.
0: It's a personal name, I think. It's a personal, it's a little (laughs) more
2: personal, not for the podcast. Well, that's okay. The girls don't call you L dog?
0: They do not.
2: Okay. So that's just, I'm, now I'm in the, the L dog club, I'm feeling, I'm feeling very good. Uh, Lauren, first question, you nervous to be on the pod? How are you feeling?
0: I am definitely nervous.
2: Uh, You're doing okay though.
0: Yeah, it's hard to talk about yourself.
2: Most people get nervous on the pod and I, I still get nervous sometimes when I'm hosting. I'm comfortable because I know you guys really well. Yeah. I get more nervous when I'm talking to people I've never met. Also talking to people you've never met uh, on like Zoom, really hard. Mm. You really got to carry the, the energy, but I've, you know, I'm getting better at it, getting more comfortable. Um, second question. Are you nervous about what your husband's going to be doing tomorrow? Are you feeling pretty good? Oh, I feel great. You feel pumped. Oh yeah. You guys got these, like all the details dialed in.
0: Well, I mean, as much, as, as much you as was, you can it, predict. Yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. okay yeah.
2: I love it. So you're feeling like overall, give me like a, uh, a scale one to 10. How confident are you feeling about tomorrow? Oh, 11 yes (laughs) yeah yes (laughs) Yes, lauren yeah
0: he's awesome
2: i love it i love it okay let's do a little bit of uh i wanted to intro you before we did some of the the rest of the housekeeping because i want you to weigh in on some of this stuff okay all right so fact of the episode huge shocker it's another banana fact i keep promising you guys facts that aren't bananas but maybe it'll never happen maybe it will before you get upset with me though and say adam another banana fact just hear me out on this one okay This is coming from the BBC.com, okay, across the pond. A study out of the University of Exeter. I'm not really sure how you would pronounce this. How do you think you would, Lauren? E-X-E-T-E-R.
0: Yeah, Exeter. Exeter, okay. Totally.
2: Dr. Dan. That's kind of a coincidence, huh? Dr. Dan Beber, who is leading a global food security project on bananas. Side note, I need to meet this guy. Listen to this. Here we go. Bananas make other fruit ripen because they release a gas called ethene. This gas causes ripening or softening of fruit by the breakdown of cell walls, conversion of starches to sugars, and the disappearance of acids. Some fruits, like oranges because of their coarse skin, don't respond as much to the ethene, but there are many processes in plants that respond to ethene as a signal. So. Again, some of you may be asking me, this is not very cool, Adam. Why did you tell us this? Well, you can use this fact for your own utility. If you're like me, and you always have two bushels of bananas around, which we learned a couple episodes ago that it's actually called hands of bananas, but we don't like that. We're going to go with bushel. If you've got two bushels around, one is super ripe and one's not, you can use the super ripe bushel, place them on top of the green unripened bananas, and it will speed the process along in your banana ripening journey. Yeah. How do you like that? It sounds like I you you know you knew that fact.
0: Yeah. In fact. Okay. If, if you have an avocado that's not ripe, you can put it in a brown paper bag with a banana that is ripe, and it will ripen it.
2: Speed ripen it.
0: It will. Yeah.
2: Oh my gosh, dude! <laughs> wow, Lauren. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. She know she knew that fact, and so there you go. PRP listenership. Use that one back pocket, either for avocados or bananas or maybe even some other fruit that you need to get ripe. Um, joke of the Sode. This one's written specifically. This is, I didn't write this and I kind of changed it a little bit. I altered it. But our guest joined his father in law, I think, on the Pacific Crest Trail yep, yep. last year. Yep. So this is a trail joke for you and your father in law. What's your father in law's name? Mike. Mike. Maybe Mike will listen to this and get a kick out of this. You meet a man while hiking on the Pacific Crest Trail, he tells you that his name is Terry. Terry you say laughing isn't Terry a girl's name without any hesitation Terry pulls out a gun and shoots you dead you have just died of dysentery
3: (laughs) oh
1: (laughs) yeah my my dad's name's Terry so are you serious yeah
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's appropriate
1: wow I mean not. I wish I would've known that
2: (laughs) that's amazing dude how relevant okay don't diss Terry you'll die of dysentery um so quotes episode quote This is a unique one today, goes in line with our unique episode. Today's Soed quote is a poem, and guess what? The poem is written by our very special guest that is joining us today, and it is entitled Goodbye to an Old Friend. And I think, Lauren, we were talking about this before, I think it's most appropriate that we have our guest, even though we haven't formally introed him, we're going to have our guest read the poem. Absolutely. So Dan, take your time and take it away.
1: Today I said goodbye to an old friend. R.I.P. dead Poto tree. Despite dying years ago, you've stood there present for years, awaiting runners as they finish their grueling Poto loops or their long Waterloo-Pinckney trail treks. For me, you are a symbol of perseverance. Every time I passed you, I'd say hello and ask, still standing? And you would reply, yes, and you? And I would be. Running on dead legs, you taught me to keep on going despite what my exterior may look like and despite how I felt on the inside. You served as a reminder of my mortality, and though you may have, may have finally fallen, I will take your lessons with me on my adventures decades to come. One day, too, I will fall, and the great gift of life and movement will come to an end. When that happens, I will return to Source to find you there where we will rejoin.
0: Damn. I know.
2: That's fire. <laughs> it's deep. When he dropped that on Strava, so he posted that on Strava, I'll, I'll, I'll link it, I'll link that activity in the, in the show notes on Instagram, but I was very impressed with this. Mm-hmm. It's a good poem. It is. And then you, you wrote a poem like a couple days after, didn't you?
0: No. No. Oh no.
2: Did you not? No. I like, you, I like your Strava. I, I think you quoted some. Something. You did some quote or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You got good activity. Like, I like to look at your activity descriptions.
0: Oh, really? Yeah.
2: I really. You really do a good job of making me feel what was in your head during your run, and I like that. So, I'm a
0: little visceral, I think. Good job. Yeah. Good for you. Thanks.
2: Um, yeah, that's a... It's like an emotional poem, dude. Everyone was giving you love on Strava, too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really... I mean, you know, obviously, as a poem... I mean, it affected me when I saw it, and it was at the beginning of my run, and, and so that whole entire run, I just was thinking about it, you yeah. know, and kind of the impact it had on me, so...
2: Jesse Sweeney had a pretty funny comment. Do you remember his comment? <laughs> I, I remember. Everyone said, was being pretty serious. And yeah. <laughs> Sweeney's just a goofy guy. He said, he put like the little asterisk and then said, pours out 40 ounces of fertilizer. <laughs> <laughs> pour, pour it out for the, dead, for the dead homie. Okay, Lauren, what do you think? Should we, um, should we introduce our special guest of today's show?
0: Most definitely.
2: I think we should. He's a good dude. He is a proud father of two wonderful daughters, just like our guest host. He is an emergency veterinarian at an animal hospital uh, by day and sometimes by night. He is a very well-seasoned ultra runner, Mr. Dan Hughes. Dan, thanks for being here, bro. Thank you. How you feel? Pretty good. You've, yep. been, pl- we've been, you've been plotting this for a long time.
1: Yeah, this has been in the works for some time. Yeah,
2: You brought me into the plan uh, what, like over a year ago and I've kind of watched it evolve slowly, one step at a time. You sending me the most complicated Gaia <laughs> In GPS file I've ever seen yeah. in my life. Yeah,
1: it's not super user friendly. It's but, not uh, super
2: yeah. user friendly out of the, out of the cuff, but I think it's a good tool. It's really helped you design mm-hmm. this course, right? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Uh, first question for you out of the gates overall, same as Lauren, 10 out of 10 or, or scale of one to 10 rather. How are you feeling about tomorrow?
1: I feel really good. I mean, physically and, and mentally, I think I'm, I'm definitely ready. I think the big thing that's kind of stressing me out a little bit is the weather. Yeah,
2: weather's uh, not in a good, yeah. good good position for us. So give, yeah. the, give the listenership kind of a, today's Friday, May 20th, it's 1 o'clock p.m. You're going to kickstart this thing pretty early tomorrow morning. What's the weather yeah. kind of look like throughout the day?
1: Yeah, so it's, you know, the forecast has been evolving, you know, over the past week. I mean, a week ago it was sunny and 60 degrees. <laughs> and then as you're getting closer <laughs> and closer to the race, yesterday it had, rain and thunderstorms practically the entire day from like 7 a.m. to 5 a.m. the next morning and I'm like man I I don't mind a little rain but you know thunderstorms the whole time but um, basically I think a lot of those weather apps they just put those icons on there if there's a possibility of the thunderstorm. Yeah. From what I was reading about it it's it's not gonna be too bad in the morning but then uh, towards the uh, late afternoon evening I think we're gonna get some pretty wicked thunderstorms. All
2: right so right when it's Right when it's getting real fun, it's going to get <laughs> really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, before we jump in and start talking more about this race, you know how it goes. You've, you've listened. Oh yeah. We're doing rules of the, of the pod. Okay. Rule number one, Dan, you have to be vulnerable. You down? I can do that. He's between two ferns on accident. <laughs> okay. Don't trademark, copyright me. He's at Galifianakis. This was not on purpose, <laughs> but you got to be vulnerable when you're around the ferns. Uh, rule number two, you have to be honest. Can you make that happen? Oh yeah. You're not, he's a pretty, you got it. You found a pretty honest one, Lauren. Yeah, definitely. Pretty. I don't think he could lie even if he tried.
0: I don't think that's true.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the inside scoop, Dan. We got the inside scoop. Okay. And rule number three, guest host, Lauren L dog serves as primary arbitrator. So if Dan and I get into it, you got to drop the gavel. Just like tomorrow, you're the crew chief. I'm going to be pacing for a little while. Dan's me running. You're in charge. I can do it. Yeah. You're ready. She's ready for that responsibility. All right, Dan, tell us formally what race you are training for and when is this race occurring?
1: It is uh, Huron 100, and it's uh, tomorrow, May 21st.
2: Uh, and this is the first time anyone's ever
1: done this. I, I would expect, yeah. yeah. It's a pretty unique route, so I'd be surprised if anybody.
2: Talk to us about yeah. where it starts. Well, actually, hold on. Let's, let's reel it back. Let's talk about the genesis of this idea. Take me through all that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, cause you knew
2: like when I met you, this was already on your radar. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's a constantly evolving thing. It's, it's, it's changed even, you know, within the last few months I'd make little minute changes to it. So it's a evolving thing, but um, it was a COVID baby basically. Okay. So I was training for my first hundred miler. I had done a few ultras um, before, you know, hundred Ks, 50 milers. And I wanted to do my first hundred, So I signed up for Eastern States 2020 and that's in August. And of course then COVID hit, um, and I had all this training and you know, they still, they, they didn't cancel the the race right away. It was sort of every other race was getting canceled, but they were kind of holding out. And as we got closer and closer, I was getting nervous. And so I said, man, I want to, I want to have something in my back pocket here. And I ended up registering for the Ozarks 100, which was later in the fall. And that, that race ended up happening. That was my first 100-miler. But even that one, we didn't know what, that would happen. You know? So right. during that whole summer and fall, I was um, obsessively kind of crafting this route, which I already had kind of been looking at as a really interesting linkage of these, these trails that I run all the time. And so I realized, I think I had a 57-mile training run in there where we started at, I started at oh, Waterloo. Sorry, 57-mile <laughs> training run. Yeah. Yes. So that one was really fun because Lauren, she dropped me off at like 5 in the morning or something uh, out in Waterloo State Rec area. And I did the Waterloo-Pinckney Trail, which I think a lot of the local people around here will, will know. is a 35-mile trail from Waterloo uh, State Rec area to Pinckney State Rec area. Okay. And once you get to Pinckney, you got the the Poto Loop, um, which is kind of a, a rite of passage. Definitely. Um, this kind of 17 and a half or whatever it is loop that that everybody does um so then once you get to that um i figured out okay i can run up one of the sides of that poda loop get to the lakeland trail which is a bike path that kind of cuts east west um and so then i was able to take that uh, lakeland trail all the way home uh, because we don't live too far off of it in Whitmore lake and so that i said okay yeah drop me off at five and i'll try to be home by dinner and just ran to my doorstep which is kind of neat that's pretty awesome actually
2: yeah what time did you get in? Do
1: you Remember? Oh, God, I want to see was was it 6:00 or six Was o'clock?
0: was that the time when I had to drop the burrito off?
2: <laughs> all so, the shit all the shit blends together for Lauren, dude.
0: <laughs> it does. It really does. I've dropped him off at so many places in the middle of the night or in the wee hours. I don't remember which is which, but is that, yeah, that if that was true. the burrito time? It, it was it, after dinner that
1: Oh, that might have been a different one. I don't know. I was, <laughs> I was bonking pretty hard when I called you for that burrito.
0: Yes, you were.
2: Emerge- an, an emergency <laughs> burrito drop?
1: Great. I wasn't like five miles from home, but I just, I was starving. Yeah, you needed it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, I mean, that, that training run got me thinking when I looked at the Strava app afterwards. I'm like, oh man, it, you know, this isn't that far from Island Lake. If If I just go kind of northbound, how would I get there? And then from Island Lake, you can easily get to Kensington. And then from Kensington which I didn't know at the time, you can get to Proud Lake. And so over the next several months, I was just, I was like a kid in a playground. I would just go out to explore and I'd discover these little connections. I mean, honestly, most, most of it wasn't even on like apps like Strava or Gaia. It was just going out and and running the trails and poking around. And that was just so much fun to, to discover.
2: That's just doing it old school, bro. The way it's supposed to be done.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, I'd come home and I'd, burst through the door and I'd be like, Laura, I figured it out. You know, this, <laughs> this I, we had connected this segment or, oh, when I figured out the, the South trails on Huron Meadows. There's just a lot of gems that I think even people that have lived in Michigan for a while, which we've only been here, what, nine years or so? I guess. No, um, that's not possible. Eight years? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's hard. It's, you know, time is hard
1: to yeah. down. Yeah. Anyway. Trust me. Yeah. I, I, know, I So to, to this day, this is why Michigan is so great, um, is that I'm still discovering new trails. It just pretty awesome. Yeah. Um,
2: so it's just been one kind of one discovery after another that has mm-hmm. kind of led you to think like okay, we can actually make this a 100 miler.
1: Yeah, and I think what's interesting about it is when I was in the initial stages of when I was putting it together, it was sort of this debate in my head where I was like, okay, I'm putting a course together for myself, like this is my hundred miler that I want to run as my, you know, first time I'm going to run this distance or whatever just for fun. Um, But then another kind of opposing voice was like, what if you want to make this into a race someday? So like, how would other people feel about this segment or like, what would the city think about this or what would like, would this be safe? You know, and then it started, then I made that decision of, okay, whatever course I put together, I have to put it together with that in mind that someday, what if I do decide to make this a race, I want to make it where a lot of people are going to like it and then You know, then I started putting in aid stations, like where the ideal aid stations would go. And just one thing led to another where it's like, okay, I got a pretty firm plan here of where everything is going to be mapped out. And and I think it works pretty well.
2: I love it. I love the evolution of it being like initially a personal project and then you thinking through it, like making it like thinking through the event lens and Mm -hmm. thinking like, okay, because that's how you as soon as I met you, you were already kind of thinking of it through having other people do it you were thinking aid stations you were thinking safety you were thinking all these different things yeah
1: yeah and you were the one of the first people i bounced it off of and you're like man that's awesome and yeah. i'm like okay, I'm, not well, a, maybe I'm,
2: not, I'm biased though You can't yeah. be telling me that. anything <laughs> i'm like oh shit you know so yeah. but yeah it was a great idea and i'm i'm still very impressed by all the work and like you said the fact that you go out and just like discover these trails on your own it's pretty cool dude there's not a lot of people that would do stuff like this so you just got a big kid over here you got a big kid that you're managing. He's a I, sweetheart though. I know. I
0: definitely know. <laughs> She's like,
2: Dan be home by dinner. <laughs> Most of the time he is. Um, okay. So let's talk surface distribution. Cause you have all these facts. Yes. You yeah. spouted them out. I'll mm-hmm. let you, I'll let you respout them. I wrote them down, but people, he's got this surface distribution down to yeah, decimal so, points.
1: You know, my, my goal here, if you think about the Southeast Michigan area and ultras, there's not, there's not any point to points. In, in, in Southeast Michigan, there's some there's there's a Lighthouse 100 up north, and I think there's a Veterans Memorial, which I think is mostly like paved bike path. That's like 150, um, but then you get the loop. Like the big one here is Woodstock 100, which is a bunch of loops, which is great. Um, but I was really looking to say, okay, what makes this race unique is point to point, but at the same time, I want to kind of prioritize the trail, yep, like as much as possible. So we ended up getting about 81% uh, pure trail. So whether that's single track or a little bit of a Jeep roads or kind of double track, I guess. But um, so, yeah, 81 percent trail and then 11.7 of it is bike path, which a lot of that is the um, Lakeland Trail. But there are some other areas, too. And then four 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 point three percent is dirt roads. And then about two point nine percent is like paved roads or parking lot areas.
2: It's pretty good distribution, dude.
1: Yeah. I, I, yeah. I think it, uh, I'm, I'm very pleased with it. But obviously I've only run the sections. Um, so it will be nice to put it all together and kind of then put that into perspective of how did that feel?
2: Yeah, exactly. And there's a river crossing in it too. Yes. That, Which uh, may be that perhaps the personal project version of the race and the event version of the race vary there. But what's the plan tomorrow for the the Huron crossing? Um,
1: I'm going to try to do it. I'm going to, you know, I've, I've nope, demoed nope. that a couple times. No bridge, right? There's no bridge. You know, a lot of the the great ultras out there, um, you know, we think about western states and the crossing of the American River. Um, I think it's just so cool. You I, it know? is. It is. And this is, you know, the Huron's a big river. I mean, it gets kind of small at some points, but this crossing, you know, I'm, I go waist deep with it. So that's where I get a little nervous about, like, okay, well pretty tall guy and if a lot of people are going to be running this race are they even going to let me do that right now so that's a concern but yeah as of tomorrow you know you and I are both going in that river
2: I know I'm a little nervous for that but I trust Dan I got his back but he's gonna have to like his energy will have to guide me in and then I'll make sure he's good
0: I'll try to be on the other side of the river
2: okay you're gonna be down in that area for that
0: if I can get there that's the idea good
2: Um, I think
1: that's a good idea
0: park might be closed
1: yeah that's so right. that
0: might be an issue and there might be a guide rope too we'll see
1: oh yeah we're gonna get a rope today really yeah okay yeah great.
0: because i mean with all the rain it it's gonna be, be rushing there yeah, yeah exactly
1: yeah so yeah. There, there is a backup if we can't cross so yeah there, there's yeah. a backup right yeah. workaround yeah we yeah. had it we had over to a
2: bridge or something or
1: what is it yeah we got to pop out onto the road okay and cross the road so a little less exciting but yeah it'll, it'll we're be gonna cross good. that sucker dude we're gonna cross it
2: Okay, and then uh, the only other part of the the trail I wanted to, or the course I wanted to highlight, was uh, Southeast Michigan, pretty flat. But how much gain have you put into this this hundred miler here? How much? Yeah, how much so feet are climbing?
1: Eighty one hundred feet. Is, That's pretty know, good. Between eight eight thousand and eighty three hundred, I would say.
2: Where do you pick so, most of that up? Waterloo, pinckney then yeah. the Pado, and then crazy torn shirt area in Brighton State.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the Waterloo, pinckney up through the. Poto gets you about forty-two hundred, so that's the majority of that, and that's you know within I want to say forty miles or so. Then your pancake flat on the Lakeland Trail, but then you you go up through Brighton State Rec and here on Meadows. There's definitely some hills in those places. Um, the last twenty-five miles of the race is not too bad at all. I think there's only fifteen hundred feet in that section. So,
2: okay. well, this is this is crazy, bro. I'm so excited for you, and I'm very impressed with the way both of you have gone after organizing this um we're gonna talk more specifics soon but let's first Dan talk about you a little bit more running specifically do you know what race of your career this is
1: I know you're gonna ask that
2: do you know Lauren
0: uh no okay
2: there's a <laughs> well, lot of them
0: huh? he is, yeah he runs a lot
1: I know yeah He's well yeah I, I would say that I started running
2: yeah when did, in, it, when in, did you get in, uh, into this you do it in college? I forget. Yeah, yeah.
1: High school and college. I was trying to think if I did anything in middle school. I don't know that I did anything competitive. but um, So, yeah, I mean, obviously, if you're counting up high school and, and college races, that's a ton.
2: You did cross country in both those? Or? Yeah, okay. cross country
1: and track. Okay. And then, of course, after, I would say after college or even the last couple of years of college, I was getting into marathons. And uh, so I've done 20 marathons so far. And then and, and
2: you're you have a yeah. you have an agenda with these
1: marathons, don't you? Yes, yeah. I'm trying to do the 50 state thing with them. Nice. So,
2: so 50 marathons in 50 different states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In your lifetime, right? And there's no there's exactly. No I'm on not. That. On
1: a, you know, I've earlier in the endeavor, I think I was kind of maybe forcing some of them, like oh, I'll just do this one because I'm traveling just, to that area, just to check
2: the box, kind of. Yeah, yeah. but
1: now it's like I'm very kind of. I'm more strict about it. Like it has to be one that really is mostly their trail marathons. Um, but it's like, hey, you're, you know, I got all the time in the world. Just enjoy it, you yeah. know, and, and try to pick the best marathon in each state and just do it slowly over time. I I'm trying to pick off maybe two to three per year. Okay. So
2: And ultras, out. that's my favorite part. I'm pretty sure you don't count ultras, right? No, they don't count. <laughs> He's very strict. He is. <laughs> he likes it. He wants it to be just proper marathons, So huh? mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. Yeah. Um, okay. So 20 marathons,
1: 20 marathons. And this will be, uh, my eighth ultra. Well, okay. yeah. Seven official ultras. Of course, you know, as in training, you'll, you'll pass the 26 mile distance several times, but, um, yeah, a couple of 50 milers, hundred K a couple of backyards where I went, I think in the 60 to 70 mile range.
2: And only 100 miler, right? Uh, two, two. Uh, so oh, Eastern, that's right. Huh? Yeah. Eastern yeah.
1: States and Ozark. So this will right. be the third hundred.
2: Number three, big number three. Okay. Um, this is a, this is a non-running question. I've been liking this question. People get thrown off on this one. Dan, if it was your last day on earth, what would you do, and who would you spend it with?
1: Yeah, I heard you ask this question to a couple of people. It's a crazy one. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, just like I think a lot of the previous guests have said. I mean, you got to spend it with family, um, and, you know, I definitely want to want to be outside enjoying the outdoors and some some way or fashion, you know, whether that's you know, in the woods or in the mountains or, or somewhere beautiful. It doesn't have to be a run, it could be. I think that would be fun, but um, eating good food, I don't know. Just hanging out. Yeah, just hanging out. Yeah.
2: Good answer, bro. All right, here we go. Now we're gonna start, we're not gonna go right into the vulnerability stuff, but we're gonna start working <laughs> our way. We, there's a fork in the road here and we're, we're headed toward right, vulnerability right. town. So, you know the show. Before we talk about your training and how you prepare for all these things, we like to talk about the other parts of your life, work, family, all those things. And you know we got jingles. You're, yep. a, jing- you're, the, you're a jingle guy. I love the jingles. So we're gonna talk about. How do you balance everything that you do, Dan? Let's talk about your job. Let's talk about Lauren's here. Let's talk about the yes. family. You guys have a, a lot of responsibility with the girls too. So let's talk about all that. You choose where to take this and Lauren, you, you, you chime in.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: Um, I would say poorly.
3: <laughs> that's
2: accurate.
1: <laughs> hey, it's not poorly.
2: You guys are just you're just living one day at a time. Yeah. That's no, right.
1: it's uh it's hard. My job is um yeah, I work your like, schedule's crazy, bro. It's a crazy schedule. It's the sh- the shifts at the ER like um ten hours or fourteen hours, and that's scheduled. So I mean sometimes you're there later, you know, finishing up notes or doing stuff. How far out
2: in advance are your is your schedule published a week?
1: It's it's, it's a month out. It's supposed to be a month out. Like but, what is it? We, we don't have our June schedule and it's May 20th. Right.
0: But it's also uh, irregular month to month. There's no like set weekly schedule or repeating pattern of any kind. No, no so, consistency.
2: None. So tough for you guys to plan trips and stuff
1: or. It's a little bit better with that. The, the, the job is really good. Like I can request a weekend off and be like, Hey, you know, I want to schedule May 21st off for this hundred miler. And I did that months ago and it's fine. And I, I get that day off. But in terms of, of, Training, like, I can't have an, a decent training schedule, like, where, oh, I'm going to, every Tuesday, I'm going to do this workout, or wherever, or my long runs will always be on the weekends. It's completely random.
2: Yeah.
0: You have to be oppor- opportunistic. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. take the moment while it's there. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. It's true. Because, like, sometimes, doesn't he, like, work all night, and then will go run in the
1: morning before he comes home?
0: It's, he's been known to do that. I don't know that he's done that recently. Just, I think there's a lot of fatigue going on right now. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've done that. I, I don't, I prefer my ideal time to run would be like in the afternoons. Um, so maybe like before going to work for a night shift, or even if it's a day off, I hate to get up right in the morning and run. It, usually I, it's it fun to like a day gal. I'm yeah. not,
2: I got mad respect for all you crazy morning runners, but <laughs> I, can I enjoy it. just like a nice cup of coffee and maybe hang out for a little bit. You a morning gal? I am. Okay.
0: Yeah, you beat the flies. Yeah,
2: you do beat the <laughs> you flies. Get
0: up before they get up. That's like a good thing. And
2: it feels good. Like once you're done and the box is checked, you're feeling great. And it's totally. only like nine o'clock. Yep. Yeah. Dane and I don't live that life, unfortunately. <laughs> so let's talk about when you're at work. Is your, like how intense, I And mean, we I don't even know if you and I have talked about this. How intense is your job? You're an emergency veterinarian.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. gotta
2: be pretty intense, bro.
1: It's, yeah, it can be pretty, pretty intense at times. Um, it's the multitasking and the juggling. Um, Cause often you might have, you know, six cases going at once, you know, one that you just kind of examined, and you're coming up with a treatment plan for another that's in the diagnostic stage, another that's getting its treatments, and you have to get discharges for to get out the door. And then you might be omitting another one for surgery. And so um, a lot of kind of people coming up to you asking you questions, and then you have hospitalized patients, too, that you have to answer questions on and make sure you do your exams on and
2: are you the only um, doctor that's staffed during a shift
1: it's one doctor per staff as a primary doctor but then most shifts will have an overlap doctor that does surgeries and procedures and kind of helps back you up a little bit but okay. um there are some shifts where yeah you're just the only person
2: Ugh. and like, then some veterinary techs in there like help like there's like is there people in there oh helping yeah you?
1: yeah there's there's texts there's assistance um you know right now the, the veterinary field is is taking a pretty hard hit with covid um so the I mean, we, were, we had shortages before COVID, but I think that just made it worse. So yeah, sometimes you're just working with a very kind of skeleton crew, um, trying to see as many patients as you can, but then having to turn people away, which is kind of a new thing for veterinary medicine. That that didn't really happen before COVID, but now you're, if your animal's sick, this is my public service <laughs> announcement. Um, don't wait, because sometimes you'll call the ER and, and they might say, hey, we're just too busy right now. Call back in a few hours or, or check with your regular vet tomorrow, which is on her. I would, I would never have predicted that five
2: years ago. Pre-COVID. Well, there you go. You heard it here. Don't hesitate. If the little pup or cat or whatever you got is sick, make the call. Yeah. Is this field what you envisioned when you got into it and what drove you towards like, have you always had a love for animals or are you just more like a science based guy? And this is where the career trickled out or like, how did you get here?
1: Yeah. It's kind of a weird, um, Genesis to that. I mean, yeah, I've I always liked animals growing up and I think, As a little kid, I was like, oh man, I'm going to be like a wildlife photographer. That'd be so cool.
2: Oh, that would be cool. And of
1: course, you're just picturing Africa. I'm like, I'm just going to go out and take pictures of these elephants and that's a job. You know, like that was, that was it. Um, But then later in life, I'm like, oh, what about, you know, being a veterinarian or something? And then I just thought, no, I'm not smart enough for that. I'll never be able to do the schooling that's required for that. And I I guess I didn't have enough self-confidence in that regard. But then... um, it was actually in college, so I was a biology major in college, and I did really love the science aspect of things, but, you know, biology and plant biology and things like that, um, so I was really kind of in that kind of scientific area. I um, still liked animals a lot, but wasn't really thinking medicine at all, and then we uh, did a, a semester abroad in Australia. Lauren, Lauren, you were there, too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You guys were dating at the time, we or were, married? Yeah. We were oh, dating. yeah. yeah. We Just were dating.
0: dating from, like, day one of college. Oh, really? Did
2: you guys meet us freshmen?
0: We we did. We met because we were both on campus for cross country.
2: Oh wow. It's a cross country romance. Yeah, yep. Sort of, yeah. So what what year was that when you guys met then, do you remember? It was early, early two thousand?
0: Two thousand one. Was that oh my I remember, gosh, yeah. Is right. that the year we graduated high school Yes, yeah, two
1: thousand. So fall of two thousand one. Yeah. Wow. Now we we finally we've lived we've lived with each other longer now than without. Yeah. Wow. So it's we've crossed that threshold.
2: We have. So that's yeah. a
1: landmark crossing there. How long did you guys date before you got married?
0: Oh, my gosh.
2: Wow. Um, Five years, six no,
0: years. No, six years, I think at yeah.
2: least. So two yeah. years out of college, then you guys got married? Yeah. And then how many years until you had Lila? Adelaide. Adelaide's older.
0: Adelaide's older, yeah.
2: By how, but I thought Lila was older. Well, obviously no. you guys know. Yeah. No, <laughs> Lila. Like, <laughs> l- like, let me test your knowledge <laughs> on this.
0: L- Lila's 10. Okay. Adelaide is 11. Okay. They
2: are 11 months apart. So they're Irish twins. They That's are. What, yeah, great. Yeah. Was that was that like on purpose or was that...
3: No. No? Yeah, cool. That's all
2: right. You're being... Look at Lauren being vulnerable. Okay. But they're great. They're great kids. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. They're a little them. weird
0: sometimes, but I love them.
2: I, I mean, they're very nice. And, and it seemed like they had fun last weekend with us too. Did they?
0: Yeah, they did. I mean... Lila, you know she's an aspiring runner. She runs cross country and track, and so I think being in that environment was cool for her. Adelaide, it's not running's not her thing, but she likes. She loves volunteering. Yeah, she loves yeah. being helpful. She's volunteered at as it was a bonfire.
2: Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And she loved it.
1: She, she was at the it. finish line handing out bananas and water and Great. stuff like that. And we're like, okay, Adelaide. We we talked to the volunteer person. They said we can go now because it was like three hours and they're like. <laughs> People that are, you know, there are like five more runners on the course. She's like, no, I'm staying. <laughs> yeah, she was committed.
0: She was committed. Yeah. yeah. I love that.
2: Yeah. Well, this is a perfect liaison then to talk about your guys' family life at home. Mm. You guys are a little busier than others, perhaps. We are? Yep. Okay. You have some, we have some homeschooling. Yeah,
0: that's, and that's true. A, I'm sure
2: that's a majority of what you do during the day, Lauren, or like walk us through a traditional day for you with the girls.
0: Yeah. I mean, so they go to a virtual Waldorf school. Okay. So their, their teachers, they actually have, I'm not their primary teacher. They actually have teachers okay. uh, through that virtual program. Um, and so they, yeah, they just have a typical school day. Okay. You know, they get up and they start their day when they're ready to go. Which we hope is sooner rather than later. Yep, classic. And then they work through all of their videos and work and projects, and then the day wraps up. And nice. And if if, it, if they're done, then they're done.
2: And they're getting older now. Eleven and twelve, you said.
0: Eleven and ten.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. So yeah. how much like supervision do they require? When I mean, I'm sure they when they're in and doing their classes, it's fine. They're plugged in. But like, do you got to kind of herd well, cattle sometimes? So
0: yeah. I mean. In, I think, in general, it's nice to be a loving presence. So I I function more as maybe a teaching assistant. Yes. You know, I'm there in case they don't understand something, they can't find something, they need help with a project, um, then I can sit down. And, and there are some subjects that are um, us-specific. So, for instance, Lila was doing work on the state that she lives in. So her teacher is not going to teach that to her. Right. I have to do that. Okay. Yeah. So, so
2: it's like just, a little bit of a hybrid, but you try to correct. get the majority of it through the Waldorf and then you kind of supplement where you feel like is, is yeah, appropriate. That's right. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's a good fusion and it works for us cause it takes the pressure off of me. I, I was doing it all before and that was, how was that crazy? Um, that was really unsustainable. Stressful. Yeah. 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 It was very, susp-
2: cause I'm sure you had to like study and brush up on stuff before you were teaching it.
0: Correct. Yeah. yeah you got to come up with a plan. Um, Waldorf is wonderful but it, it does it's very open it's very teacher directed so it's whatever I want it to be so they would give you a loose framework and then I'd have to fill everything in yeah and that just it's
2: a lot I, of
1: work
0: I, I mean I don't know if I'm like lazy but that was just too it was too much and you were it up was, at
1: night like trying to, like every yeah. like Saturday or Sunday you're like cramming cramming getting to get the next week of prep in it was well hard.
0: I'm also, like, I'm not really great with my memory, so I was the kind of person that I needed to have every single thing that I was going to speak about written down. Mm-hmm. So we're talking, like, hours of writing down, like, lectures that I'm giving. Um, yeah, it just it, it didn't work. Yeah. And, and also I realized as a parent I, I was not engaged with their education beforehand, so I didn't know where they were at. Yeah. I didn't know what they knew and what they didn't know. Right. So we started homeschooling. During the pandemic. Okay. And we just have transitioned. That's the way we are now. And what's
2: yeah. the, in your mind's eye now, you may not have like a view of this, but what, yeah. like into the high school years, are they going to go back into, to in person or like, how do you see things going?
0: You want to answer that, Dan?
1: I, I hope they go back. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to push them out. Man. I
0: mean, <laughs> so yeah, I, <laughs> I, I would like them to have the choice whatever they want whatever they feel comfortable with okay. i'd actually like them to have that choice for middle school but as we're looking at middle school right now that's not really an option. not as realistic right now we're doing another year of what we've been doing okay but yeah
2: okay and then
1: they'll get the option
2: if they want to do it they can and i'm sure they will i'm sure they'll want to go
0: i think they will yeah that's yeah. Yeah. just
1: what's you know, cool we started off with the waldorf and yes. with a steiner school in Ann Arbor. And It'd be great if they can go back to high school there, if they make that choice.
3: I
2: think
0: that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. You, so guys, are
2: you guys are cool parents. I like the way you guys roll. Oh, thanks. I like how you give them the freedom of, of choice to kind of, you know, they're young, but you still give them, you give them tools, and then you let them make decisions for themselves.
0: Yeah. Well, you hope that you've given them all of the facts that they need, to, you know, and the skills that they need to make the choice that's best for them.
2: And then when they start making decisions at a young age, when they have to start making bigger life decisions, right. they have experience making their own decision, which I feel like sometimes isn't the case, and then people struggle. Yeah, you guys are you guys are getting them ready to rock.
0: <laughs> me me.
2: I love it. Okay, Dan, let's talk training now. Let's talk highs and lows. Okay, you're kind of always training, so I don't really yeah. know if you've really turned the dial up. I mean, there's it seems like your preparation for this has been more refining your route and understanding the course. And it's, a little bit less fitness based, but take it away and yeah, let me let's yeah. talk about how things have been going.
1: So there, there's a little uptick there. So after I ran the Chicago Marathon back in the fall and oh yes. that was That was not, glorious. Yeah. <laughs> and that was actually not that many weeks after the Eastern States, which destroyed my body. Yep. And so then now I'm trying to like train for a marathon, which was just too too much. And so I ended up having um, You know, I've been having some chronic knee issues, but it was during that marathon. It didn't, like, inhibit me at all, but I just felt like I was, like, limping when I was running. I'm like, okay, i got to figure this knee stuff out, like, because it had been two years of it kind of swelling off and on. Okay. And so um, after that marathon, I kind of backed off over the winter more so than I usually do. Maybe only running, like, 20 to 30-mile weeks, and I started doing physical therapy. And uh, my PT guy, um, you know, got, got the knee back. Back in pretty good shape, um, to the point where the swelling actually went away, and um, hasn't been an issue. It it came back after that fifty um, k that I ran a few weeks ago, because I kind of pushed myself with that one. But um, you know, since that, I've, I've done a couple marathons, or was it just the one marathon? Yes, yeah, just, one. just the, the the marathon and the fifty k, and I was able to push myself during those. And, you took second in one of them, didn't you? Yeah, the the fifty k was was uh, second place, which was. Great! Awesome. Yeah. Um, You're so humble.
0: I know. You know, you did a fifty k too between your one hundred miler and Chicago. With,
2: with you your, did?
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: With, oh, your, yeah, with yeah. yeah, but I mean, I know it wasn't like a, a, a challenging race for you, but it was still distance. Still fifty k. Oh, yeah, distance, yeah. 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 So just, I mean, as a broader picture.
2: We're giving you credit over here. Okay. Yeah. 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 We're, we're the credit. We're we're on credit patrol. Okay. Right. We'll get you dialed in.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, but you know, since. Since that, I, you know, my training has been you know, how I like to train for 100 milers is, um, well, what I find it works for me, I guess, is, is doing these kind of longer training runs that are kind of in that six to eight hour range. Okay. So that usually is around 30 miles or so. Less
2: focused on distance and more focused on just being out there for that long?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And in this instance, because I was doing this course, I just chopped the course up into thirds and ran each third. Okay. And then if you added in that trail marathon and the 50K, that's basically, you know, five runs of that distance in this training block. And I thought they all went really well. So in that regard, I, I know like I don't in the beginning when I did that 57 mile training run, that's like, I thought that's kind of what I needed to do because I hadn't run a hundred miles. So I didn't know what to expect. Yep. And I wanted that kind of confidence boost. Um, but now I know it's like, okay, I, I don't need to run for that long. I don't need to. Cause that really takes a toll on your body. Yeah. So as long as you, you get your body and your gut and your, the rest of your mind accustomed to being out there for a good six to eight hours and you do that a few times. Plus you have, you know, a decent base mileage going. I think, you know, to me, that's, that's kind of what I need to be in shape.
2: So that's how you prepare in general for races that we've already talked, like your schedule's crazy. So Lauren put it perfectly. You're an oppor- you're an opportunist. Yeah. And I was going to say opportunistic, but that would work in just a different <laughs> use case. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So your whole thing is when you're getting ready for an ultra, getting some big runs under your belt and then getting base mileage when you can. Cause I, I like your way mm-hmm. you run similar to the way I run. And it's a little bit less by the book in terms of like putting yeah, out a schedule. Mondays is a workout, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's all great if you can do that, but that's not my style. And it's certainly not your style.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, if you look at my Strava the last couple months it's so it's It's like it's
2: pretty chaotic
1: it's just like 20 mile week followed by a 60 mile week followed by a 20 mile week followed by like a 65 mile week and it's i'd love to be like straight you know 40 to 50 miles a week with a couple stronger weeks in there i think that would probably overall give me better fitness but it's just not realistic with our lifestyle so it's yeah you you take what you can get and it works for you yeah
2: Yeah, boom Um, okay let's talk favorite run of training camp you had a favorite run, one that really sticks out. Oh man, there's there's a lot good ones. He just loves running. He does. <laughs> he can't he yeah. can't choose. <laughs> I
0: know.
1: <laughs> it's crazy. Maybe
2: favorite run if you can really pick one of of organizing this course. Sounds like when you yeah. connected the Huron Meadows thing mm-hmm. that might have been. That was up nice. There.
1: I'm gonna go with when I started in Pinkney around the 35 mile mark and ran to right before Huron Meadows. So that would have been miles 70-ish. So it was about 30. It actually turned out to be like 31 miles, but um, it was a beautiful day. You know, I had run a marathon 26 miles, uh, 25, 26 miles right before the Torn Shirt Trail of the Brighton State Rec area, which if anybody's run that trail, that is a pretty... It's a clusterfuck. <laughs> lots of twists and turns, lots of ups and downs, a lot of elevation in there. And I was having a real bad low at that point. I'd already run out of water like once. Great. And luckily the, the bathroom was open at Brighton State Rec area. So I filled up my bottles and kept on going. But then I was running low on water again and I'm just like huffing and puffing through this and I'm going, man, I'm at mile 25 and it's pitch <laughs> dark because I started at four o'clock on purpose because I wanted to kind of mimic the race conditions. And so it's like 11 o'clock at night and I'm just like, oh, I, I'm going to be at mile 60, not mile 25 for the actual race. And so I started to get really discouraged yeah, about that, right. like, um, like mentally beating like,
2: yourself up a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so then I got through that section and, and then, um, I had my life straw on me, which I love that thing. Cause I ran out of water. So then I, I was, um, found a little Creek with little flowing water in there and I t- took some big swigs of that water and it, it's kind of rejuvenated. Was and it, and, did it taste good? Oh, it was great. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, then just finished up the last you know, few miles you know, down the dirt road um, to Huron Meadows. And that was, you know, I, I would have a few weeks ago, I would have said that was a low point of my training. Like that was such a hard run and that uh, that that didn't do well for my confidence. But then getting through that in retrospect, I'm like, oh, man, that was a great run. You know, like, I don't know.
2: You turned low into a high. Yeah. Yeah. I think having those hard workouts sometimes. Sucks in the moment, but retroactively mm. is, gives you it actually boosts your confidence a little bit.
1: Yeah, it was it was definitely a practice in kind of the mental strength because there's this, this one point on torn shirt where you pass right next to the aid station, which is sort of a shortcut. But no, you still have two miles of torn shirt to go. Mm-hmm. And I kept on telling myself, God, I hope I don't see that little notch in the woods, because if I do, I'm going to want to just say screw it and like, yeah. cut the court like fail. Right. Yeah, and luckily I, I passed it without seeing it. And I'm like, would, have, would I have taken that shortcut? I don't think I would have. But when you're on a low, it's like it's it's a lot easier to, to be tempted by that kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I always see the spin scooters when I'm on a low. And I'm like, I'm just going to cruise this thing. <laughs> yes. I'm over it. <laughs> Fuck it. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So new section again. I think I might know the answer to this question. I'm going to ask this question to you too, Lauren. Sure. So he'll go first and then you can yeah. cue it up. What's in your ears? Are you a music <laughs> or podcast guy when you run? I feel like you're all natural, dude.
1: Yeah, no, I don't listen to anything. Never, um, huh? Like, I've done it a few times, okay. and
2: it... You uh, also strike me as a guy, if he was listening to something, he'd have corded headphones. No, no, <laughs> no pods. Is that well, true, or does he have some pods?
0: Well, he doesn't have Apple products. Okay. So...
2: Do you have any... What, if you were listening to music, is it on corded
1: headphones? she bought me okay so this is because it, it comes from her so <laughs>
3: yeah um. she bought
1: me sunglasses that have them that have speakers in them what yeah yeah and bluetooth
3: yeah they're from bose
1: oh shit bro yeah. you gotta yeah, whip those
2: out I need to see these things
1: there. yeah I, I don't have them with me but, but you
2: but he yeah. probably does he probably never use those because he never wants nope. music No, no no he does okay
0: and then sometimes if he doesn't need the sunglasses portion he'll remove the lenses and just where are the frames oh, around? Oh, as the, as the headphones? <laughs> yeah.
1: Solid. Just so I have the headphones.
2: Solid, yeah. solid.
1: But yeah, it's, it's a very rare thing when I'll, I'll, I'll listen to them. Like, I had one run. This was probably a year ago. It was at night. And I was, I was doing the Waterloo Pinckney Trail at night, which turned out to be extremely challenging. Mm. Um, and I was like, man, I need something to distract me. And I, I popped in. I don't know if I listened to a book on tape or music. I can't remember anymore. But it was it was definitely a nice distraction. But for the most part, I got enough going on in my head that I don't – anything else yeah
2: okay what about you lauren you oh, jam yeah yeah
3: yeah
0: i I'm, i actually probably i struggle without it I'd okay say. okay yeah so i'm always listening to music or a good podcast
2: nice yeah what is there what is there like 50 50 on music to podcast or just the mood just kind of how you're vibing that day
0: oh it's total mood yeah it's mood although i do like to build a good playlist around an event
2: yeah that's a great yeah <laughs> me too i'm a big playlist guy yeah you gotta have a good playlist just to lean on, you know, just in case things get crazy, okay, so Dan, we talked shifting gears a little bit here. We talked about your activity background. you ran in high school and you ran in in college, and that's where you and Lauren met. Can we you know pick the pick the like layers back and talk about what originally inspired you to run? Is there something that drew you to run? Did you do other sports before you ran, or has it just always been a running thing?
1: Yeah, for you? Yeah, I mean, as a kid, I played a lot of soccer, yes and um, and then. I remember specifically in grade school, it was a physical fitness test where you had to run the mile. Okay. Um, did and you I, like that? I did. Wow. And I didn't know, like that's, that's the first time I ever tried to like, cause I would <laughs> run all the time in soccer on the playground, playing football. I would just run like crazy and I was terrible at pull-ups and I was terrible at the agility stuff and the sit and reach and all that other stuff. But the one thing that I could be competitive in was the mile. And I remember that, the first year that I ran it at school, I got, like, second place or something. I'm like, oh, man, I'm actually you know, good at this or whatever. Um, but it wasn't until, like, middle school where I thought of it as, as doing a sport. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I might have done track in middle school and then didn't really, like, when I got to high school, it was all about being on the football team. Right. So then, yeah, I played football freshman year and that um, was terrible what position, what position did you play? It was buy? like defensive end. Okay. And I'm like a lanky, that's funny hundred and <laughs> you know, like, I think if you just looked on the, at the body weight on a piece of paper, you'd be like, Oh yeah, this guy's a defensive end. But I was, I didn't have any upper body strength or anything. And I wanted to be a receiver, but they're like, you're way too slow to be a receiver. Yeah, right. Um, so after about a year of football and sitting on the bench and anytime we did any type of running in practice, I would just blow everybody away. Um, and then in track, I, I did the track team, and uh, my coach was like, man, you got to do cross country. And so then I just took off from there.
2: What events did you do in track that made him?
1: It was longer it. distance, so like the two-mile. Two-mile. Yeah, I probably did the mile and the two-mile. I might have tried the half, too, but I didn't have that kind of speed. Okay. So.
2: And then found some success, and then from there. Yeah. It. Did you yeah. get a, like a little scholarship to, at your
1: college, too, or did you walk on? Um, no, it was Division three. Okay. Um, so you can just walk on. And yeah. It wasn't anything big and I was okay it was decent you know it's a little bit of a bigger pond situation but I'd, I'd score points for the team you Good. know finishing top five and um but not like winning races like sometimes I, I had a couple wins in a high school but not in college
2: nice what college did you guys go to Denison oh Denison yeah shout out I got a cousin that went to Denison oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. it's a great school that's cool and what about you Lauren with y- with your like progression like how did you Were you a big cross country when you showed up to college or did you just kind of like say like, let's give it a go? (laughs)
0: Um, I was a brave soul. Okay. So I started running in my junior year of high school Okay. and I tried to join the cross country team and I failed. I did not, it did not go well for me. Um, I ended up with shin splints and a coach who wasn't sympathetic and I didn't have the, I didn't have anybody supporting me.
2: And it just wasn't a good experience.
0: No, but I kept running by myself. Okay. Um, and then I went to college, and I, like you said, it was you know Division three, so I could just walk on and join the team. I was never allowed to race, but I showed up to every practice. Good for
2: you, yeah. dude, I yeah. love that.
0: Yeah, I'm not fast, and I'm okay admitting that. Like, yeah. I'm totally, I own it. I'm okay with that. I've never been fast, and I'm.
2: She's
1: great. a very fast hiker you are you are she is a fast hiker she has fast twitch hiking muscles yeah we say
2: did you do all four years at denison then in that in that kind of fashion just kind of like being part of the team all Um, that kind of stuff
0: so we went abroad uh was it the second semester of our junior
2: year
1: our junior
0: year and when i came back from that i was in a different place and so i didn't want to mess around with the cross-country team
2: You, you got enlightened you were enlightened on your travels?
0: I No, no. I think I just, I learned a lot about myself okay. in the sense that I, I wasn't in, I, I, well, I lost a lot of confidence, I think. Okay. And I didn't want to mess around with feeling second fiddle, knowing that I was going to be going out into the world and I had to make something of myself. Yeah. Okay. And I just. I didn't want to deal with
2: it. You didn't want something kind of like bringing you down kind of as you were taking the next step in your life.
0: It felt like bullshit.
2: Yeah, okay. It did. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, that's that's valid.
0: And my brother was on the team, too. It was a family affair. And he's really great, so that felt like he could take the the reins there. There you go, okay.
2: Your brother, is Jake your brother?
0: Jake is my brother. Shout out to Jake. Yeah.
2: I want to meet Jake. (laughs) He's awesome. I almost met Jake and the whole crew, and then I got Mm. hurt last year. Okay, so for both of you then... You go from Denison, you guys are dating your cross countryers. How does this affinity for the trail running start, Dan? Where does that, you started, so you uh, marathoned out of college, but then where did you first find the trail and how'd that, how'd that unroll?
1: Yeah, it was, it was, uh, you know, yeah, I was very into road marathoning. I wanted to qualify for Boston and get kind of the fastest time possible. So that's kind of where all the focus went. And then I got injured in that, um, probably didn't have a big enough base or you know the training with work-life balance just didn't really work and so as I think I ran my last marathon at that time in 2013 and I had some uh, like bad knee issue like my good knee became swollen so that's when I had to stop and I at that point I I didn't think I'd ever run again it was dark Uh, yeah it it was
0: dark it was dark because he had hard time going up and down the steps Oh, no, man. you could see the atrophy in his leg. Like one leg was visibly smaller than the other. Oy. Yeah.
2: How, how
1: long ago was this? That was, yeah, about 2013. 10 yeah, yeah. 10, 2013-ish, yeah. kind okay. of those years. Yeah. And so then I, I didn't know that I ran a race or so that maybe a 5K here or there until 2017 mm-hmm. where um, Jake, we'll bring him up again, he <laughs> said, hey, why don't we do a half marathon with my dad, uh, Mike, who's a marathoner and he had been out of the game a little while. So he said, yeah, I'll do a half marathon. So we did the grand Teton, uh, park half marathon. And that's oh, just great. gorgeous. Great selection there. <laughs> so, um, in preparation for that, I started running again and I gravitated towards trails with the thought that, okay, well maybe this will be easier on my knees. And then it was at that time where I also started kind of, I mean, I'd already been listening to a lot of books on tape. And so I got into, you know, some of the the popular books that are out there and I remember that what really opened my eyes to, to ultra running specifically was um, um, the ultra marathon man by Dean Carnassus. I think yep. that's the gateway book for a lot of people. And then from there, uh, Scott Jerick's book, Eat and Run, um, was a huge influence. Um, but yeah, then I just kind of snowballed from there.
2: And now he's designing his own hundred mile courses. It's <laughs> awesome. Mm-hmm. What's next? I'm happy to see it. Don't answer that question yet. <laughs> um, okay. We're on to another section of the pod. Are you ready? Yep. We got a jingle. And now it's time to talk about Strava. 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 Oh, I really like Strava. Thanks, Jake. Strava. You guys are both Strava on Strava. We yeah. are. Strava enthusiasts, perhaps? Yep. Strava users. Dan, let's talk about your relationship with Strava. Things you like, things you don't like, and then we'll kick the mic to
1: Lauren. Yeah, no, I, I really like it. I think um, it's really neat to, to see sort of the other runs that people are doing. Uh, especially like in the area too. Like there's other times like, where the heck is it? Where is this person running? Yeah. And then you like discover another trail. You know? Always. Um, and then, you know, same thing with yourself. I mean, it yeah, it feels good to get kudos from people or comments. And um, you know, so I like that sort of community atmosphere about it. Nice. Uh, and posting pictures and seeing other people's photos. I, I follow some uh, people that are live in different countries. And it's like you see, oh, wow, these are what the – Trails look like in Japan. That's kinda neat. Yeah. You know? So it's and like,
2: writing poems
1: perhaps. Yeah. I don't post a whole lot you don't. in the comments. You don't. So when I do, it's usually like something that really I guess touched me or influenced me or something like that.
2: Nice. What about you, Lauren? You fan? I love your Strava presence.
1: Seriously?
2: Yeah. Lauren yes. Hughes, who's a great follow. Anyone <laughs> listening. And just so genuine. Oh, thank you. And when you have like you're you're going through an injury right now. I am. And when you have days that don't go well, you're you're very vulnerable about the fact that hey, today wasn't great, but yeah, I, I I you know this is what happened, and we'll move on to the next.
0: I just own it. I put it out there. Good for you. I think that's the best way to go.
2: I get. I can just like I said. I I told you this before the show, or maybe while we were on the show. But I can get a really good sense of how your each one of your workouts goes, and you don't. And it's not like you, you're not like a three paragraph gal. No. It's like two or three really point like pointed sentences and I'm like, Okay, I see how I see like yeah. Lauren had a good one today. or like, ah oh shit, she's struggling a little bit again today.
0: Yeah. I mean it's mostly from my own memory. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I can't remember from day to day. But if I go back and look at I maybe it's more like a diary yeah. in a way. And I don't really mind that other people see it. Really it's just for me in the end. And I don't follow a lot of people and not a lot of people follow me, you know, and which is cool. I mean keep it intimate. I can so I can keep it, you know about what's going on in my head. And
2: not have to worry about any of the other distractions. Nice. Totally. Love it. Anything you don't like? Anything you guys don't like? I feel like you guys are pretty genuine on it and pretty straightforward.
1: Yeah. I mean the competition part, I mean I'm a very competitive person by nature, so sometimes I'll see some of that stuff. And I think when I first signed on to Strava, I started following a bunch of people that I really admired and that were really great athletes. And then my entire feed was people that were Really a lot faster than I was, which doesn't do a lot for your self-confidence. Like, man, this this person's easier run is like a seven minute miles. Right. right. Like I can't. And their
2: heart rate is like 140. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So actually what really helped is I just, I broadened my follower. Like, so I just like, okay, I'm going to follow people that are my pace and slower than me. And just like get a wide swath of people on there so that you're not constantly looking at people that are just killing it and making you feel bad about yourself.
2: Yeah. I feel you. What about you, Lauren? Anything, anything negative, or for the most part, positive for you?
0: Well, I'm not really a social media person. Yeah. So I think I, I don't engage with it, the platform, the way maybe it was meant to be engaged with. I don't. I don't know if I pay attention to the the challenges and all the things and the clubs and the the segments kind of baffle me.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. It's a kind of I, a crazy world.
0: So I, I guess maybe I'm not. I'm not a competitive person like outwardly competitive like that you know so yeah you you just make it your own yeah
2: good for you yeah Yeah, good for you i don't really get into the segments that much either and the challenges i kind of stopped doing that too Mm -hmm. but that's how you and i met bro strava
1: that's right yeah
2: (laughs) crazy huh that's crazy yeah and i just i just started hitting you up because your last name was hughes (laughs) seriously yeah no and then we just and then we just met up for a run and we're not related by the way just for everyone (laughs) we might like deep ancestry but we're not related Crew here. Um, okay, here we go. Are you guys ready for the ready. most yeah. for the most vulnerable part of the of the episode? Yeah. I need a, like a little like bring it on. I need like a buckle up sound. Maybe I'll put one in post production. <laughs> buckle up. Here we go. Now it's time to get vulnerable. So vulnerable. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, Mr. Dan, what is your goal with this race tomorrow?
1: Um, my goal is to listen to my body, listen to the earth, and listen to my wife. Yes. Yeah. I like it. She's going a little brownie
2: points there. <laughs> yeah. I like that. So it's, sim- it's a simple goal. There's no time goals. Yeah, no, no,
1: no time goal. I, I think what's great about this is that, yeah, it's not a real race. And at the moment, and you've
2: talked to me about that. So mm-hmm. when you're in a space, when you're in a real race, even if you're trying to be chill, the, it's hard. the spirit yeah. of the race gets you going. Mm-hmm. So you're actually looking forward to tomorrow because it's it's a race, but it's your own. It's your
1: own. Yeah. I, I get swept up in the competition of it. And um, I think I've always started them off too fast. <laughs> Way too fast. <laughs> And so, and or I'm always saying that I I feel like I'm slowed down. down. And then
0: he's a little sassy.
2: Yeah, of course he is. Like he knows. Yeah, of course course I feel great.
1: (laughs) Um, Come on, babe. Even those beginning aid stations, like it's like I can't spend more than one minute here. Like I just need to get my stuff and go. That's funny. And, I'm so opposite. Uh, yeah. I'm so
2: down to hang in at an aid station mm-hmm. longer than I should. <laughs> They'd be like, all right, get yeah. out, leave. I'm like, no, yeah,
1: no, later in the race I do, but that's out of necessity. But like in the beginning, like, so that tomorrow, what I'm really looking forward to is, you know, first of all, the other, the two only other hundreds that I've done, I've only been able to see my crew or, or Lauren. I mean, once every 20 some miles, you know, maybe three times the whole race. And now I get to see her like every single aid station. It's only a couple hours,
2: you know. Yeah, what's the biggest gap? I mean, you've seen, her every ten, you've seen, her every, seen each other every 10 miles at least? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it's,
0: it's more than that, isn't it?
1: I, I think the longest gap between aid stations might be like nine miles. They're pretty close together. Yeah, they're together. close together. Um, but yeah, so I, I really look forward to kind of soaking it in. And, you know, I love this trail. Um, and so, you know, you go back to the sort of the, uh, the, the dead podo tree poem. But I got friends out there, you know, I, I pass these trees. I have, I'm in my mind right now, like I know right where they are on the trail and I just say hi and I keep on going and why rush that, you know? And so I'm not looking, you know, when I look at the course and what I've done in other hundreds or, or whatever, I feel like, oh, I can definitely go sub 24 on this. And that is an ultimate goal of mine, like someday to do sub 24 on a, on a, on a hundred miler, but that's not what tomorrow is going to be about. Okay. You know? It's just going to be that happens and great. Or if it's getting close to that and I want to push for it. Okay. I'm fine with that too. But you know, I'm fine if it takes 30 hours, you know, so I'm just going to have fun and enjoy it. And um, that's on the, on the personal goal level and the more race director, Hey, I want this to be a race someday level. You know, my goal is to uh, look for any problem areas, you know, see if there's any issues or oh, maybe this isn't a great spot for an aid station or maybe this was too long between two aid stations or um, just kind of get some feedback there.
2: Yeah. Good. Has your goal changed at all since you first started putting this together or has round one on this thing always been to kind of be present and connect the dots and then look at what's next afterwards?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would, I would say that that's the case you know I, I think it's you know, maybe I think previously maybe I was having a oh I, I can I can also do sub 24 on this you know maybe that was a little bit a few months ago at the forefront of let me go for that too but I think it's 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 smarter for me to do away with that 100% yeah because it's going to get in the way of of the more important thing yeah so maybe that's changed a little bit on that level, but, um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much
2: wow. So mature of him. Yeah. Do you think he'll start worrying about time tomorrow? Do you think he'll start turning the dial, or do you think he'll stay slow?
0: Well, I would say that uh, probably I think he'll stay true to what he said, only okay. because um, it's not a race environment. You right. know, you don't have other people towing the line with you, so you don't have that excitement. That gets drummed up Mm -hmm. um it's just him and then you know there's the joy of meeting people at eight stations and running with people and um yeah I don't know I think that this is just something different so he's gonna look at it differently
2: I'm so excited Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't wait for it I know you guys both are too um Dan what are you most worried about tomorrow
1: well on uh um I guess literal level of, of what I'm concerned about. The weather is a concern. I think I'm a little bit more comfortable with that today than it was yesterday when I was kind of freaking out about it. But Because um, Lauren made the good suggestion. Because I almost moved this to Sunday.
2: I also realized yeah. that my, I reread my text to you yesterday when I texted you this morning, and I was just on the fly yesterday. I was like, my text to him yesterday did not... Do any soothing, you were like, Yo, weather's bad, thinking about it. And I was like, Yeah, weather's worrying me too. Do what you got to do. <laughs> and I looked at yeah. this morning, I was like, Oh, fuck. I probably should have like, at least give him one little nail, like, It's all good, bro. It's we got this.
1: <laughs> no, I was ready to go till sun. I was going to push till Sunday. Okay. And I'm like, You know what? If you're a race director, if you want to do that, and this race is on Saturday, you, you know, like, you got to figure that out. You know? Yeah. And so I, I think the compromise, the good compromise here is bumping it up. So we're going to start at 730, but we bumped it till five. And I think that's going to, you know, obviously shorten the day up a little bit and maybe avoid some of those overnight storms, or at least I'll be further it, further along, further along when, when the bad stuff hits. So I think that'll be easier and it allows more time. So if a thunderstorm hits at seven o'clock at night and I want to stop in an aid station and get in the back of the car and just weather the storm and... What, what am I in a rush for? You know, yeah. I could totally do that and not be afraid about, you know, finishing super late in the day the next day. Yeah. So. I like that. Yeah. What about your feet? Yeah. So that's the other big concern. So after weather, and this kind of ties into that because each hundred miler that I've done, it's, it's crazy. Cause before I ran hundred miles, I'd be like, Oh no, I'm not a guy who gets blisters. Like that's not a thing I have to ever have to worry about. I can wear any shoe, any sock. I'll be fine. And then, Old 100 milers now, as soon as I get past mile 80 or 85, that's when I get the blisters. And so, um, and that's even, even for Eastern States, which was my second go at it, I had done a lot of stuff to try to prevent it. And it still happened. Yeah, you have like a book about I have a whole blister. Book, yeah. <laughs> um, what's the book called?
0: Fix Your Feet. Fi-
1: fix Your Feet. John Von Hoffer. Yeah, I think. How I fitting. Mean, um,
0: it's like the Bible.
1: It's the Bible, yeah. The blister Bible?
2: Hmm.
0: on anything foot yeah <laughs> yeah,
1: okay. yeah i recommend it for anybody who's having foot problems and and so i've adopted a lot of those uh, things and i have a, a very specific way to take care of my feet and i think a lot of it has to do with the courses that i ran on like the eastern states and the ozarks are i mean their footing is is pretty technical um and and the course tomorrow is not that technical at all there are some rocky areas but there should be a If it wasn't going to be wet tomorrow, I wouldn't be as worried. Yeah. So I just want to stay on top of that and see if I can finally figure it out and finish the race without huge hot spots around the balls of my feet, which is what happens. Yeah. Okay.
2: So weather and feet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We can do it. Yeah, I think we'll do it. I think his feet are going to be good. Do you have any intuition on his feet?
0: Uh, No. I'm not I'm not really good with foot care.
1: She's worried so, about doing the foot care. Am, I'm like, I can do I'm
0: it. It's I'm fine. a little worried about it. Um, we had, like, this foot guru named Will. Um, oh, Will is the foot guru. Yeah, Shout help, out to Will, yeah, too. Yeah, oh help God. out last time. And He's he a 200-mile
2: really, guy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And he really he did a great job, but he kind of took over. So I didn't really get to, like, learn from him. Yeah. So I'm a little worried about that, to be honest. But it, like you said, it's not that technical. I think that there was a lot of issue with um, the upsizing of his shoe. So the, the theory was you run that far, your foot is going to expand over time. So let's size the shoe up. And it was sized up maybe too much so that his foot foot had a, like a lot of room. In the toolbox. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And also, I mean, there are different brands that have wider... You know toe boxes so finding a shoe that fit your foot better i think
1: yeah is, I, I mean yeah. running downhill i can feel my foot slide like, forward in the yeah, shoe right and i was like oh i gotta that's not helping yeah
0: right so there's some specific things that don't rely on me at all that yeah hopefully will help him. there we go well
2: i'll be there i'll be there in the late stages and yeah. mm-hmm. i'm down to jumping on some grody foot duty if i need to awesome. um dan what's next Big picture, what's next? I know you have some plans for for the rest of the year.
1: Yeah, so I guess I can answer that two ways in terms of if you're interested in the Huron 100 and then also personally. Um, so in terms of my personal race schedule, um, the big one is the, uh, the Bear 100, which we're doing. Yes, together. Um, so that's going to be awesome. It's going to be great, yeah. dude. Um, I don't have anything major before that. I think there's a couple, a marathon here or there in between. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's going to be, uh, it's got a lot of vert and a little bit of elevation, so that, that should be a new challenge. But I'm really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, and, and long term, I mean, I have so many little projects I would love to do. Um, we talked about this a little bit before, but running the uh, North Country Trail, through the uh, Michigan lower peninsula from the Ohio border to the Mackinac bridge. I mean, that would be, that's amazing. Awesome to do that. I don't think that's anywhere, you know, next five years. It might be even, I bet, so? I so bet he mean, does that within five years. Oh
0: yeah. I think so.
1: I mean, that's a whole nother beast. I mean, I know but once you, once you conquer the hundred miler, then it's like, okay, well let's get into this multi-day running thing where you're doing 30, 40 miles a day. I mean, that's, that's a whole another.
2: But you could also do you could do the, the Michigan the, that you could do that trail and do 12, 15 miles a day. You could and just make it make it, a, you know, a
1: few yeah. week process. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I think you with 30 miles a day. It, it, it gets you about 15 days. Whew. So, it's, you know, you got to take off that time from work and stuff. So yeah. that's that's kind of the restriction. But the
2: girls one. are getting older. And able to kind of take care of themselves as they become teenagers, which might free you guys up a little more for stuff like that. they got to be crew members. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll be, <laughs> let's be honest, they'll be out there. Okay. So what else? You got that in mind? Yeah, Anything that's, else that's crazy? That's
1: a big thing. I, I'd love to do a 200 miler someday. Um, you know, so that's in the future. And then of course I got a whole bucket list of hundred milers that, and of course you got a lottery into half of those. So, um, so yeah, that's, it's all exciting. And you know, I don't do a whole lot of racing. Usually it's just, one or two big runs a year. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that's on the horizon.
2: What's, uh, what's next and what's on the future for the Huron 100? So the
1: Huron 100, I mean, obviously the, the, the real goal now is to make it a race and um, you know, that's, that's got some challenges and, and you know, obviously doing this podcast and, and then being able to post the run to Strava uh, tomorrow is going to get the word out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I really, really be awesome to get some other people involved that's going to help me kind of develop that. And, and, you know, this is just my brainchild, but I want to see feedback from other people. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very open to changes and things like that when it, when it comes to the planning and the course itself and that sort of thing. But the permitting process and, and the vol- getting the volunteers and funding it and all that stuff is so intimidating to me that I guess one of my biggest fears is that, yeah, I do all this and then it just nothing happens, you know. Ten years go by, twenty years go by, and this just this just was a kind of a pipe dream. No, um,
0: no, that's not going to happen. It's not se- going to happen because it means a lot to you.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a cool idea too, bro.
1: Yeah, no, I think a lot of people. Have you ever seen
2: it. Have you ever seen the Field of Dreams?
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: If you build it, they will come. Yeah. If you put this race together, people will come, dude.
1: Well, that's the thing, and I got to take a real hard look at my work life balance because you know, I wear a lot of hats and I got couple, two jobs and family commitments and the girls are in their teens. So that's going to be a lot of, so I don't want to start something that I can't then make a yearly event. So yeah. Even if you, I've,
2: you've talked to me about that before. Yeah. It's like you want to be strategic with when you start it. Cause mm. as soon as it starts, you want to be able to do it on an annual yeah, basis people and, are and that's valid
1: expect it. And so, you know, I don't want to do it like, Oh, next year will be the first year and 20 people run it. And then, Oh, it doesn't happen the year after that. And then the interest wanes and right. You know, I want it to be big out of the gate and be 100% committed for as, as long as possible.
2: I could see next year being a group of people doing it still in an informal way. Mm-hmm. And then potentially, uh, what would that be? 2024 taking it, to, taking it to actually be something as like an, a register yeah. role event at that point.
1: I thought about that. I thought about, yeah, what if I get about five, 10, 15 people that are just kind of interested in it Yep. and I can kind of, co- I can mark some, little places on the course Of course they'd have to have a pretty pretty strong knowledge of where to go but mm. i wouldn't be able to mark the whole course like it would be for the race um but then get that feedback from them and, and yes. either aid
2: station workshop it a yeah. little bit yeah exactly yeah,
1: like, yeah. That'd be a good intermediary step
2: wow exciting stay tuned yeah. stay tuned to see what happens you have any thoughts on what's next for this thing lauren
0: for the huron 100 yeah I, no i don't um i know you talked a little bit maybe about first starting with just the first 50 miles and then i think you kind of switched and thought maybe i should just do the whole thing as it but i think you you kind of thought of it as a multi event sort of situation mm-hmm. where there yeah. would be 100 miles but there'd also be like a 50 mile and some there was something else maybe so
1: yeah there's a couple of distances i think would be very achievable so the the Waterloo pinckney segment which turns out to be it's not the exact Waterloo Pinckney. It's got some modifications in there, but it turns out to be like 35 miles. Okay. So I think that'd be a neat ultra distance that you don't see a lot. You know, you see the 50K, you see maybe a couple couple 40 milers, but mostly you get this huge gap between 50K and 50 mile. Mm-hmm. So to do that at 35, I think a lot of people would see that as a nice stepping stone. Yes. Um, so that would be, and then you can finish right in the Silver Lake area, which will be a nice finish line. And then there's a... a really good ending spot for the 50 miler. And then I haven't figured out the hundred K and I haven't figured out the marathon. Those would be harder. I
2: think, uh, from like a entrepreneurial perspective, if, if you're going to be, um, getting permits for all this stuff, I think having as many events as possible Mm -hmm. to help pay and finance. Everything is going to be definitely the route. So yeah, making it proper and not like over, you know, like you said, you're very mindful about not biting off more than you can chew but having three different distances that that many more people can register for because all those smaller distances are going to be part of the bigger cookie anyways of for the sure. hundred miler makes a lot of sense but we'll get it figured out bro yeah we'll go to all the municipalities we'll make the relationships <laughs> soon i'm excited i hope you let me help you on oh all this my stuff. god yeah i need your help okay love it and lauren will be there lauren you'll be the maybe lauren will be the you'll be the race creator but lauren will be the race director I don't know how she feels about that.
0: I don't know how I feel (laughs) about that. (laughs) Maybe. Maybe. Maybe.
2: Maybe. We'll see. Um, Okay, Dan, last little piece of the vulnerability and then we're done. We're talking fun stuff. This is a good question I've been asking on the pod this season. What would your advice be for someone who just started running or who's just getting into running?
1: Oh. Um, I would say... You know, do do the running that makes you happy. Um, you know, it's it's just like everything else in life. It's sort of a journey where, you know, if you would ask asked me 10 years ago, would I ever run 100 miles? I would have been like, no, that's, that's ridiculous, you know? And it, you just got to just be very open to where it takes you. And if, um, you know, I'd encourage everybody to try trail running because I love it. And I think it's, it's a bit more... Connected to the world than, than just running on roads. Um, nothing wrong with with road running, and I think there's a, a true passion. And if you have a passion for just the, the strict kind of running and, and being in love with the form of that and and the challenges of that, in terms of getting your your pace and everything, you know, I think there's a, definitely a place for that. But as, as you're getting older, he says, I'm getting older. I find that, you know, the, the process of getting out there with with nature is the big draw for me. So yeah, somebody. First, starting out, if they want to make it fun, I would say, yeah, hit the trails because that's where it's at. Yeah.
2: Great. Great advice. Lauren, what about you?
0: Oh, I'd say stick with it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've started and stopped many times for lots of reasons in my life. And if you're always in that beginning phase, it's sometimes painful. It's not always comfortable, but the comfort does come. You do get more at ease with yourself over time, um, but you got to stick with it.
2: Yeah. Great advice from both of you. The Hughes crew. Coming at it. <laughs> dropping knowledge. Okay. Oh, we did the vulnerable stuff. We're good. It's, it's it's actually not that hot in here. Are you hot? I'm a little hot. Yeah, he's in I the sun. I'm in the We're roasting the racer right? over here on accident. <laughs> right. But hey, the the lighting's better for the for the video. Okay. Next section. It's and it's like we're already in this kind of, but we're gonna do it anyways. What's the plan
3: for the big race weekend?
2: What's the plan? It's Friday. We're doing the podcast. Yeah. You guys are maybe going to go look at the he- river crossing on the way home, it sounds like.
1: Are we? No, no, no. I think we, uh, we're we going to go to REI. Okay. Last minute. Uh, <laughs> we need it's a, a ramp and rope and
0: yeah. We, we need some food. Some, oh, yeah. Yeah. We need, We've need got need some, some, some grocery supply shopping. stuff to okay. take care of. Okay. So some, yeah.
2: some errands happening later mm-hmm. today. Yep. Getting little to little bed. Little what time percent. are you trying to get to bed?
1: Mm-hmm. Man, it's going to have to be early. If we have to wake up at 4 a.m. Mm-hmm. It might be like a eight or nine. Yeah. Oh. She's not going to do that. She's I won't stay that. That's okay. You can let him crawl <laughs> in. What's for dinner tonight? We're thinking some pad thai.
2: Nice. Solid. Yeah. yeah. Are you into that? It seemed like you weren't into that.
0: Oh, no. I mean, that's his choice. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'll support him in whatever he wants. Nice.
2: You yeah. Are you a fan of the pad thai?
0: I like pad thai. Yeah.
2: I think yeah. everyone likes pad thai. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I did that before the uh, the Umstead Trail Marathon. It really worked well.
2: It sits well? Yeah. Okay so let's back it up. You're going to wake up tomorrow Mm -hmm. at 4am. Are you, are you, are you a coffee guy?
1: Um, yeah, definitely. It's, but that early, I don't know that I'm going to have any sometimes when I wake up early for a big run and it's, if it was seven o'clock, I probably definitely would, but that early, I'm probably just going to go without. Okay. And I have caffeinated gels for later in the race. So that's Caffeine's not a worry. Yeah, it's, sometimes I feel like I'd overload too much if I did it. Okay,
2: and what about Code Brown? you have any issues with that in the morning? Um, You're on a trail, so you can take care of that whenever. But yeah, usually you we, hope to convert before <laughs> everything starts?
1: There's there's a, a porta-potties or outhouses at Waterloo State Rec area.
2: At the starting line? Yeah. Okay.
1: So And then, well, there probably isn't one until mile 18 after that. So, yeah, hopefully I go at home or, or at that first place. But it's, it's not, usually not a huge concern. I'll just whenever it comes it comes yeah yeah okay
2: um so who's gonna be at the starting line tomorrow
0: oh i don't know i think obviously me i'm
2: I'm gonna be there yeah yeah
1: all right you don't mind waking up that early
2: i mean i mind but i'll be there (laughs) (laughs) who else
0: i think that's it okay honestly it's a small crew um i know my parents are they're watching the kids but they're not able to be there so
2: yeah let's talk about so let's talk about the crew overall
1: who's all who's involved here so it's oh, like eighty percent Lauren. That's it. It's me. Yes, yeah. yeah, Lauren. And then her yeah. dad um, is going to join in. Probably at this point, we're thinking maybe mile sixty, right? Yeah. Right in State Rec.
0: Yeah, because we pushed the race to uh, an earlier time. He's he's got to help my mom set up the RV. Okay. So, so
2: the, and they're going to be camping at Proud Lake, which is the finish line. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the girls are with them. They yep. are. Yes. Okay. Sweet. Uh, so it's basically, It's basically Lauren.
0: It's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm all crew the, chief. Crew chief all, Hughes. I'm all the aid stations and yes. all the
2: crew. She's a good crew chief to have. A Thanks. Lot of, you guys have a good like. You guys have a good say quad together. You guys just like. <laughs> do we? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-oh. And then I'm coming out to run with you. Yeah. I'll be there. When 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 do I go?
1: <laughs> I should probably tell you that
2: right. We'll figure that out. But when yeah. when do I join you? I join so, you at.
1: At Brighton State Rec, so that's going to be mile 55, okay. and you're going to be with me for 20 miles, so about mile 75.
2: Okay. And we'll cross the river, and then I'll drop yeah. you. Mm-hmm. And then is Sweeney coming out? Yeah. So Jay he, Sweeney.
1: He should be there uh, miles 74, 75. Yeah, so right when you leave off, he'll be there. Amazing. Um, depending you... on the timing of things. So I think it's going to work out, unless I'm way faster than I should be, which at, that point, Lauren will tell me to slow down. Yeah. I'll just sit in a car for a while. Um, I'm glad that Jesse's coming up.
0: Yeah.
2: Because no. I was, like, a little bit thinking about, like, hmm, I'm going to be getting off the trail with him around mile 75 in the middle of the night when he's probably starting to struggle the most. Right.
1: Yeah. I it, It'll be a huge psychological boost to get past. The river? The, once you get to Legacy, and it's sort of literally all downhill from there, like, um, I, I think – yeah. I mean, the weather might be bad. I might be tired. But I, at that point, I strategically put the aid stations like five miles apart. Okay. So, um, and I did that with it because I, I remember doing the Ozarks 100. And towards the end of the race, those suckers were like eight or nine miles apart. I'm like, oh, God, I wish these were closer. I know. I so know. from a race director, Spain, like some of those aid stations may be probably overkill. Yeah. Um, but I'll see. I mean, we can always eliminate one of them. But it's like I'd rather have too many than not enough. Yeah. And then on one of those segments, Lauren is going to pace me. <gasps>
2: oh.
0: I know. Yeah. When?
2: When are you jumping in? I don't know. Okay.
0: He hasn't told me yet. Okay. No, no.
1: That would be from mile 81 to 86. Yeah, so. I can't. How are car
2: logistics going to work with that? What's that going to be? Is Mike going to help out with that? Yeah, he'll do yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. He d- uh, this is in Island Lake. Is that what you're mm-hmm. referring to? That'll so be the he, Island Lake. So, he doesn't so. have very far to go, sure. so he can't get lost. Yeah,
1: good. There you <laughs> go. Yeah, yeah it's go. the shortest two eights. Yeah,
0: and of course I would love to do more with you if I could, but I I can't. So okay, but maybe most importantly, you're going to run with your daughter.
1: Yeah, that's the hope. If we can get her out of bed at whatever time, that's oh, she'll be. be there. Lila yeah. will be there. Yeah, yeah. So last be, last five with Lila is the that plan, would be right? A deal. If May, for some reason,
0: maybe two. Okay, depends. Okay. We'll
1: see. Yeah, we'll see Lila how things a, are going. We'll yeah. see. We'll, we'll that's a vibe check mm-hmm. thing, right? Okay. Yeah, the weather, the time of day you know, that's going to play into it. But the the ideal, the initial plan was the last five, four, 4.5 miles or something like that, but it might just be last mile.
0: That's because it would have been in the morning of the next day. But now, especially with the thunderstorms, I don't think we want her running. in
2: So yeah, we'll see. Hopefully it clears up and hopefully he's a little slower than we, than we we think he's going to be. Yeah.
1: I mean, for all we know, I could be hunkered down in a car for three hours. as The thunderstorms pass by. So that's okay.
2: That is okay. Absolutely. Um, and then who's at the finish line? I'll be there. You'll be there. I'll be there. The be there. The girls will be there. The
0: girls will be there. My parents will be there. Parents
2: will be there. That's about it. That's the crew.
1: So mm-hmm.
0: his his family lives out of town. You know, he's got a sister in LA and his mom kind of splits her time between Florida and Ohio. Yeah, they're still in
1: Florida, they're coming yeah. up. Yeah.
0: So, you know, if they could be here, I know that they would be. Yeah. hundred percent. Okay. But they'll be sharing for him, like virtually. Yeah, so. of course. You're going to
2: be like, you're going to have a big text of like people, like a group text that you're going to be dropping updates into. Definitely. Yeah. Good. Okay. And then what's the plan Sunday post race? Well, into it. You're going to like chill at the campground or go home or what's the plan?
1: It's so hard after, after both my other hundred milers, I was pretty destroyed and and tired. So probably going to sleep. Lauren's rolling her eyes. Um, (laughs) But then I'd like to return to the campsite and hang out with
0: him I feel like...
2: Are um, the in-laws there Sunday night, yeah. camping Sunday mm-hmm. night too? They are. Great.
0: I, I feel like, um, at least for you, after a, a huge race like that, you, you don't know what you want. It's a like...
2: Indecisive, it, kind of?
0: It's like he's... Um, very contradictory. So first moment he might want to sleep and then he'll go lay down to sleep and he's like, No, my body doesn't want that and he'll get up. Because you're just you're so you've just thrown your body for a loop. Yeah. You know. So food sounds really great, you go to eat it and you're like, No. This is terrible. <laughs> it's very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so same
2: way with sleep too. Oh no, it's not gonna work. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So oh, Yeah, it gets weird after the fifty mile mark. It gets things get a little weird. Okay, let's talk about Lauren's overall plan for like, what is she going to be throwing you at aid stations? Are you, do you change, are you changing clothes? You change shoes? Yeah. And what's yeah. your nutrition pick up and drop off each time you're there? You, mm-hmm. you eat with her, you pick up and eat
1: on the go. So I, I kind of want to, treat it as if I'm a runner in the actual race. Okay. So even though she'll be there at every single aid station, only some of those aid stations are crude aid stations. Oh, so this is where it gets a little weird. I like this though. I, at a non crude aid station. I don't want her giving me a new you pair choose. of socks. Yeah, or, exactly. Right. You know, even if I really need a wardrobe change, like a new shirt, I'll be like, Nope, I got to run another seven miles to get to the crude aid station. Yeah. So I want to kind of be strict in that regard. But yeah, at most of the eight stations, I'm going to be just filling, filling up tailwind and water and getting some more gels, um, eating, eating real food. What kind of gels do you take? Um, I got a variety. So I do have goose. I do have Huma gels. Um, uh, we got a couple new of those. I've never tried the spring ones before. Spring gels are amazing. Are they good? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to try some of those. I don't mind experimenting with this again. might be different if this was a race I really wanted to be like super competitive in. Right. Um, Try to eat as much kind of real food as possible. Yeah. What do you, what do you get
2: him for real food?
0: Um, well, it depends on the time, okay. but especially in the evening hours when he needs something salty and warm, we'll do miso like ramen soup.
2: Oh, OK. So something something with high sodium, yeah. sippable, kind of easy to take down. Correct. OK.
0: Yeah. But I mean, and being me being able to replicate all the fare that they have at a standard ultra it's is tough. just not possible. Not, yeah. So that's something we need to really figure out. Actually, tonight, <laughs> <laughs> um, we've we, it's not that we've haven't we've had conversations about it before. So it's not like a complete unknown. But um, yeah, I think sometimes. So he has a sweet tooth. I think sometimes we've relied too much on sweet stuff, yep. um, and that's not and balanced and then he needs a salt tab or something so we need to keep the salt and the sweet in balance um
1: yeah yeah i, I do have a tendency to do the sweet stuff early in the race and yeah. then, then i'm and then you're oversaturated salted and yeah. yeah i can't take anything sweet later on and then i'm doing all salty stuff in the end and on my last training run i did salty and sweet from the very beginning and that actually worked out really well okay yeah. Um, so hope to replicate that. You
0: like the uncrustables. This is like oh a secret goodness. thing. Mm. He loves love those things.
1: Love them. Have you had the, those? Yeah, I love it with the grape jelly or strawberry. Uh, I like the strawberry or the honey. <gasps> Ooh, There's a honey, the honey one. one.
0: Yeah, yeah. But it, I should also mention that you you um, are a plant based person. So finding food um, at an aid station has always been a challenge for him. So we've always had to kind of
2: supplement a little supplement. bit. Supplement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So it's not going to probably be anything different than what we have been doing.
2: Okay. So what else? Oh, what else? Solid food aside from uncrustables, what else? You have like, <laughs> like hummus and wraps for him at all, or just like?
0: No, I mean you don't eat. He doesn't eat big stuff like that.
1: Yeah, you don't eat that much, do you? I I, I find it. I don't know. Yeah, I, I tend to not eat a, a huge quantity of food. I try to eat more frequently. So I might definitely get, like carry a bag of potato chips in the bag.
2: In Sa- bag something, something salty, if you need. yeah. Yep. Right. What do you um, eat in the morning before you run?
1: Um, it varies. You know. For Tomorrow, I mean, I might eat a banana and some toast, that kind of thing.
2: What kind of banana? What's what? What ripeness?
1: <laughs> well, the ones we have currently have a little, a few more brown spots than I really like.
0: No, that's that's called a ripe banana.
2: So, so it's we, a little too ripe arguing. for you. Yeah. You yeah. like it? You like some brown spot or no brown spot? I would say no brown spot. You,
0: you would like it to be yellow, but not yellow, green, but not green, but also no brown. Wow. Where so it's like
2: the unique period of like one day period. <laughs> yeah, right. I can
1: tolerate some brown, but it's, yeah
2: not ripe Yeah. what about you I
0: want it to be ripe yeah
2: me too I like a little brown I like <laughs> yeah. some I like actually quite a bit of brown dot maybe 50% yeah. banana saturation brown yeah totally. that's what she likes yeah. I do and the green ones are just
0: they're terrible I'm
2: sorry for you guys out there that are eating the green bananas y'all are crazy those are horrible
0: well they're just not sweet yet so yeah. they're not ripe
2: yeah Yeah. but I'll eat them I, I'm not gonna be happy about it but I'll eat them
0: no I'll pass on it
2: yeah okay so you like him he's just a pitch perfect prime yellow guy that's right. Yeah. Okay. So, banana, little, just maybe a bar before you get out there, but you won't do anything huge, will you?
1: No, nothing too big. Okay. Yeah.
2: Okay. What about hydration?
1: Yeah. Um, tailwind is kind of my big thing with water. Okay. I mean, in the beginning. Any
2: plain water with you as well? Or is it all tailwind?
1: No, I'll probably have a bottle of tailwind and a bottle of plain water. Okay. And then that should be enough to get me through each aid station. Okay. Um, I might have to, for some of the longer, Ones in between carry a third bottle just uh, to have enough. So yeah. this
0: is the first time you're doing just all bottles. I mean, in a 100-mile in distance.
1: As opposed to... No bladder?
0: No bladder. Just I bottles. I think
1: I did a bladder for Eastern States. I did. Yeah, oh, yeah, I got it,
2: bro. You got it when you're on the mountain. Yeah. When you're out there, like, in the middle of I don't nowhere. think I
0: did. I think you did. But we don't need to argue about it. I trust
2: you, Lauren. But- anyway,
1: I don't... Yeah, and the <laughs> other thing with um, that, I mean... For the Pinckney section, or for the Waterloo Pinckney section, I'm going to do a vest with um, hiking poles. Okay. You know, get some practice with them for the bear. And then at uh, mile 35 at Silver Lake, I'm going to switch over to my running belt. Um, And then um, from there, then I might switch back into the vest, like, later, like, in the Brighton State Rec area. I might put that back on. But I want to kind of go swap them back and forth. There might even be a couple segments where I just carry handheld water bottles. Yeah. I've had issues with my back, like with the pack, like wearing a pack 100% of the time, is, is hard on my back. Okay. Well, it's perfect liaison.
2: Last yeah. section. Last section of the pot. Are you oh, ready for it? Yeah, I forgot. Yeah. The, the gun. I think this is the best jingle. No, you didn't. You didn't jump it. You, inch, you just Certainly. you liaisoned it. Look good. What you wearing. Run good.
3: Tell so tell me about the drip. Baby. Oh, the drip.
2: The delicious drip. So let's talk. So we already talked a little bit. So not pack the whole time. Yeah. Some belt, some pack, some handheld supplementing. With some poles, but then let's talk about what you wear on these epic adventures yeah, of yours. Yeah,
1: yeah. So I, uh, I have my lucky
2: shirt. He's not really about the flash, huh? He's a pretty basic guy.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, he's got his lucky shirt. I think he wants to be um, old school.
2: Yeah, he so is old th- school.
0: So there, there was this guy at a race once who was just like had nothing. On, like, no shirt, like, barely a <laughs> pair of shorts, and like a water bottle in each fist. God, and he I don't was even like, think
2: he ran with water half the time. Yeah, he was and like, he
0: I want to kill that it. guy. Yeah,
2: I love those people. I got passed at World's End by some uh, old yeah. guy in denim jeans. Yeah, this I was guy. like, what the
1: fuck? He was at the end of Eastern States, like, <laughs> half naked, just wearing shorts and nothing else, and casually talking to people <laughs> and drinking, like, he just had a, did a 5K. Yeah. And I'm like, writhing on the ground. Yeah, of
2: course. <laughs> so, what's your lucky shirt? What is it?
1: It's, it's a uh, shirt I got from my grandparents. Okay. Um, they lived in Wisconsin. Okay. And so they, they pulled out. We visited them the one time. I was a little kid. I mean, I was like, I don't know, grade school, middle school. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother pulled out these shirts. She's like, we're going to get rid of these, but you can have one if you want. And so it's this um, white shirt that it's, uh, has a cow on it, and it says West Cowson. Oh, amazing. Instead of Wisconsin. I love a good pun. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've worn that shirt. I don't know when I started using it for racing, but... Is it white? It's, it's mostly white, yeah. And in ultras, I just it's the first shirt. It's not the whole shirt, you know. Okay. But then my my dog Sadie, she she got to it. Oh no. Yeah.
0: She had a small hole in it.
2: Okay. Well, you're still gonna wear it, right? The collar's all messed up, but yeah, I'll still wear it. Good. Yeah. You got it. It's a lucky shirt.
1: So I'm starting off in that shirt, and then um, I got some other shirts on on a similar playing field. Like it's they're cotton, but they're they're so old that they're so thin. And like they are, they don't shape that it's much.
2: like almost dry fit now
1: yeah yeah okay like polyester ish <laughs> kind of yeah okay yeah okay so i have a series of shirts that i all use for these ultras that are just really comfortable okay what are kind of shorts are you in oh go ahead lauren i was
0: just gonna ask are you gonna do the button down yes he got, he got a button down I recently did. that's classic yeah. that's classic
2: just raunchy trail guy yeah that's perfect uh-huh
1: <laughs> yeah i did a, i did one training run and it was really
2: nice oh good okay yeah. so you're gonna use it i'm gonna use it is yeah. it a flannel button down or like a solid color button down
0: Well, it's got a plaid print to it. Yeah. Which I found funny.
2: I love it. It's funny. It's like a lumberjack. He's like a fit lumberjack. Yeah. That's great. I got you. Don't worry.
1: Yeah. It's it's nice. (laughs) It's uh, made by Cool K U H L. Okay. And uh, I got it at REI. Classic. It's it's long sleeve or short? Long. Short sleeve. Oh, short.
2: Yeah. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. It's amazing.
1: Yeah. But I think I think will be nice. I think we'll be. uh, We'll see how it goes. Okay.
2: What else was like? Oh, what kind of you do a uh, in Injinji sock or yes, mm-hmm, and yeah. that's a toe sock, right? Yeah, and did, is the genesis of the it's Injinji, right? Am I saying it right, or is yeah. it Jonji? No, Jonji's is a I different brand. No,
3: Injinji. Injinji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay,
2: did the toe socks become a thing after your hundred mile blister brigade, or were you always in Injinji? I, I had them
1: before and I hated them. Okay, I the first time I wore them, I'm like, oh, they make my toes toes feel weird, and I think they actually make things worse. Okay. Um, and so then because they were like the thing to do, like, I think my mother and everybody bought, I like ended up having like 12 pairs of these and gingies that I was never going to wear.
0: She bought them for you. Cause I recommended them. Yeah. I bought them for you because I think Courtney DeWalter wears them. Uh-huh. Right? Don't don't quote me on that. Kay. But I thought so. And that she was, that, that really helped. Okay. So I thought, oh, well this will really help. Perfect for him. You got blisters. Yeah. We love Courtney. Issues. We love
2: Courtney on the show. Oh, so definitely. Yeah. anything she wears. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: I wore those for like a year and I didn't like them. And then, I don't know, at some point they started really working for me. Okay.
0: Well, so, yeah. so you may not know this, but some of them are cotton and some of them are wool. Well, cotton, I mean, you know, not cotton, but whatever the blend is. And then some of them are a wool blend. And so you may have been wearing something that was too, he would say that his feet were too hot. Yeah. So you might have been wearing wool in summer. And get hot feet. And get really hot. Hot feet
2: sucks, bro. It makes me feel sick to my stomach. Right. Yeah. You better take a look at that then.
0: You're, I, yeah, you're doubling the, the layer between your toes, yeah, right? Right. So,
2: yeah. Even more. And what kind of shoe are you in? You dabble yeah. in, the, in the trail shoes. I, so I what have do a lot, lot have? of
1: different shoes. The one I'm going to do tomorrow is the um, you know, the Peregrines. Saucony. So Saucony Peregrine? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I really like that one. It's got a nice, firm fit to it. Um, I don't slip. And, like, I tried the Timps a few weeks ago. I bought a pair of those, thinking that that would give me a little bit more padding. But is it
2: Timp Ultra? Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's okay. Uh but I do slip a little bit in them and the lace the tongue is really weird on it. So the new the new one. The
0: new yeah. reiteration. I loved the temps, but now not not so much.
1: They're always, you know, I I get
2: it. It's a business model, but I do get a little peeved with the constant re- releasing of additions of shoes because yeah. they take away shoes that work and they force you to, you know, go yeah. through the rains on finding a new shoe and my, yeah, my New Balance that I've worn forever now is officially like gone.
1: Mm, I can't get it on Amazon.
2: I've combed Amazon for years and it's finally done and now I'm like, okay, I'm at a crossroads where I gotta get a new shoe. Well,
1: you know, uh, Killian's starting a new
2: company. I was just gonna say that. Killian's company's sick, bro. Yeah. Yeah. When do they start dropping merch? I know, like, I've seen that. What's it called? New Normal? Or Normal?
1: Oh, gosh. I don't remember. Something.
2: Yeah, it's okay. okay.
1: But yeah, his whole thing, one of the big uh, things of that is if they come out with a model, like, it might be five, six years before like they're only going to replace it if they find a better technology. Okay,
2: great. And they're, they have a lot yeah. of sustainability focus. On, yeah. On that brand. That's
1: a big part of the sustainability is like, they're not coming out with a new model every year. I love that. Good so for them. If that shoe works for me, I'm definitely going to.
2: So are you going to try to stay in the Peregrine the whole time? Will, you, will there ever be a use um, case where you change?
1: I'm going to have lots of it's gonna be wet. pairs with me. Yeah. Cause it depends on how wet the course gets. I'd like to stay in, in them as long as possible, but obviously for the river crossing, I'm going to switch into a different pair. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, it just kind of depends on how things go, I think. Okay.
2: How many pairs of shoes do you have? Uh-huh. How many pairs will he have for ready tomorrow? to go tomorrow?
0: I mean, ready to go. That I don't know. But I think like four. I mean, they've taken over our house. I'm
2: sure they have. <laughs> it's a classic running. Yeah. A side effect. Yeah. Well, all right. So, take Lauren, I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, but you can take your time. Oh, okay. I'm going to give, and I, I keep forgetting this. I've forgotten all this on every episode. Uh, I want to give you the opportunity to wish Dan good luck. Or give him any last pieces of advice that you won't be giving him. Or you can repeat or give different versions of tomorrow morning. But, you know, give, the, the mic is yours. The floor is yours to wish him good luck on this amazing adventure that he's undertaking tomorrow. Wow. Take your time.
0: I guess I don't have a lot to say because we know each other really, really well. So I'm going to say something that might sound superficial. But I would say stay present, which is something that I think I try to remind you of a lot. But we really only ever have this moment. Like we're only guaranteed this moment and it's gonna come and it's gonna go. And it's something that you've been working for for a really long time. You've been imagining it and living in it and you've been building it up in your mind. And it's gonna be different. It's gonna be its own unique thing whatever you had set out in your mind, but it's going to be exactly what was meant to be. So just stay right there in that moment with it. And it's going to bring you everything you need.
2: Wow. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren on the spot. Yes. Oh my gosh. I want to, I want to end with that, but I have a small thing to put on top of it, Dan. Sure. I'm excited for you tomorrow. And I've watched you build this over the past couple of years. And I would my piece of advice to you is, you're only gonna get to run this thing for the first time, once, and that gets to finally happen tomorrow. So, so along the same lines of what Lawrence said, just stay present, man, enjoy it. The weather might fuck us over. It's okay. It might, you know, we might not be able to cross the Huron the way we wanted to. It's okay. Whatever happens, happens. Enjoy this first time. And I'm very confident that there will there will be several more versions and occasions for you to do this but you'll only get to do it for the first time once so soak it in tomorrow no pun intended with your second wet feet (laughs) yeah it's gonna be pretty wet i think anything else that you'd like to say overall no worries if you don't anything you want the people listening to the pod to understand about this project anything else or just good luck and get after it
1: yeah it's uh i don't know go out and explore lots lots of cool things to explore out there so this was my little project but i think everybody's got their little thing so amazing all right lauren
2: thanks for being here thanks for having us this is great you're very well spoken
0: oh thank
2: you You did a really good job thank you dan thanks for being here thank you good luck tomorrow bro thank you (laughs) this is crazy it's gonna be fun all right guys thank you Well, I have a treat for all the PRP listenership. I traditionally record these outros alone, but I drug Mr. Dan and Lauren into the studio and they're here for a quick debrief. Dan, you did it, bro? Yes. Yep. How you feeling? Um, pretty tired. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty wild out there. Yeah. Things went well for about eighty miles. 70, yeah. Seventy-five felt,
1: miles maybe. Felt pretty good through yeah, seventy-four. Um yeah, starting to get tired, before, you know, 74 to 81, and then it pretty hit the wall pretty hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm not sure quite what what went off the rails there. Could have been a nutrition thing or caffeine thing or hydration, um, but was kind of in a dark spot for the next 15 miles or so.
2: Yeah, which the last 15 miles took you. How long, Lauren? How long did it take? Oh, my
0: gosh. I, I honestly don't know. I think I picked him up, so I was with him. Yeah. For all of that time. Yeah.
2: You and you talked on the pod about maybe only going for four miles. And how far did you end up going with him?
0: Well, it was at least 15. It might have been. I mean, it was always five and some change. So I don't know what it added up to. Amazing. Yeah. Good Thanks. for you, dude. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we I picked you up about 4 a.m. But we, we just don't know the the finish time.
2: Yeah. That's, That's really unique part of this whole experience is that sitting here talking debriefing it's Tuesday morning. You got off the course Sunday late morning no one's really looked at a time because that's yeah. not what the point was.
1: Yeah. 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 Cause I wasn't really racing to the full extent of, Oh, I'm competing and I want to get the fastest time possible. So I, I don't have any doubt that I could have done it faster, but at the same time it's just, there's always this unknown with a hundred miler and you know, what i felt at mile 80 and and those those kind of 15 miles there was uh, kind of a surprise and and gave me a little bit more you know i, I always I already admired the course quite a bit um but now i i kind of respected it it's like okay this guy this kind of rocked me a little bit and um it was uh, there i don't know that there's any such thing as an easy 100 miler so yeah, it doesn't exist <laughs> no yeah so it, it definitely um maybe work for it to get it done.
2: Okay. Amazing. Well, let's touch on a few quick things before we sure drop some call to action for, for the people listening who are interested. So river crossing. Yeah. River crossing was honestly pretty chill. <laughs> Chiller than we thought. A little eerie to cross what was 40 yards in the pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. But was pretty chill. Current. It was high. It was in between belly button and chest.
1: Yeah. A higher river. Um, of course, we we didn't have a guide rope, which for for an official racer definitely would be guide rope and safety uh, volunteers and somebody in a kayak and all that fancy stuff. But uh, honestly, it was a, a very doable crossing. It
2: was very doable. Mm-hmm. However,
1: Off after the, the
2: cr- after the crossing was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's we where... were knee deep in like sinking mud. Mm-hmm. We got stuck in these like thorn bushes, patch briar patch. I don't even know what to call it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, a lot of, and that, you know, in, in planning out the course uh, earlier, that wasn't such an issue because of there wasn't as much rain on those other days that I took a look at that part and just the spring growth really complicated things. So it's definitely something we got to uh, troubleshoot in the future. Nice.
2: Lauren, you want to talk about weather?
0: Oh my gosh, the weather was all over the board. I mean, we thought that the storms were going to be a really big issue there was an instance of thunderstorms. You ran through it. You were actually surprisingly really excited oh, about it. Oh, it was exhilarating.
1: It was great. <laughs> yeah. He
0: was like really living in it. Um, but then it kind of cleared up and it got a little warm. Yeah. And did. I think that that took us by surprise a little bit. I think that we weren't expecting the the heat. And so I think that might have contributed to the later portion of the race. You know? Yeah. Um, a little bit of
2: the fatigue. Yeah, Maybe yeah. maybe some dehydration from that too.
0: Yeah, I I definitely think so.
2: Yeah. But but uh, you got wet, I got wet in the river, but I didn't get wet <laughs> by any rain, dude. I was blessed. Yeah. yeah. We thought it was we gonna be lucky. soaking all night. I we, like it rained in the morning for two hours on Saturday, and then nothing.
1: Nothing else. That's so right. we got we lucked out.
2: Things were going well. It seems like for the first fifty miles, you had it locked in. You were, you know, there were some ups and downs. I know you had a little bit of a low
1: in the first 50 mile from that heat, Lauren, that you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was like mile 35 to 50. I was maintaining my pace, but kind of starting to feel it a little bit. And, um, but then, yeah, when I picked you up at 55, it was, we were flying, dude. Oh, it was great. You know, that's exactly how you want to feel at that point in the run. Um, I wanted to give you a shout yeah. out on
2: your ability to navigate when you were that deep into a race. I had no idea where I was. <laughs> I realized that I maybe should have looked or studied a little bit more the second we got out on that trail. But You didn't disappoint me at all, bro. Yeah. Your mind was going to motion. you would know these turns like the drop of a on the drop of a dime. It was insane. Yeah. So good for you, dude.
1: Yeah, we did. We did kind of a I don't know. We didn't get lost in the torn shirt, but I definitely thought that we had skipped apart, but I think we were just moving so well that it went quicker than, than I expected. So yeah. You thought happy we, about that. you
2: thought we jumped the trail, but you were, you <laughs> we were just flying. Yeah. Yeah. So everything with me went well. Uh, then you picked up Sweeney. It seemed like everything with him went well. You, he was only with you for about six to eight miles or something like that. Yeah.
1: About seven or so. And that he's was,
2: a beauty shout, Jesse mm-hmm. shout out, dude, you're the man.
1: He yeah. Worked, he, he, he worked
2: <laughs> out on, he did an interval workout on Saturday he came and met us at one thirty in the morning. Yeah, ran with you for eight miles, mm-hmm. and then he went and ran the podo on Sunday. <laughs> so he might be fucking <laughs> crazier than you, dude. Yeah,
1: he's he's a beast. Kills it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm getting,
2: he's he's coming on the pod. Yeah, you got to get him. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and then. Things get tough with Lauren, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 All the tough sections with with yeah. her. I don't know why that yes, is.
0: So maybe spouses should not be pacers. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it was your fault. And I think it was
2: good that the tough stuff came with you.
1: Yeah. Maybe.
3: Yeah.
2: I think so. For sure. I think it's a blessing. Um, before we go, calls to action. If you are listening to this episode and are intrigued, we need your help. We're trying to do this in some informal capacity next year. Safety is a big concern, of course. we We are confident that there's no way we're going to have a permitted race within the next one to two years, but we need to start building this thing from the ground up. So uh, reach out to me, Adam at preracepodcast dot com. If you have any questions, you can also find Dan and Lauren on Strava. Definitely. We, definitely. we also just got the Huron dot com. Nothing is there yet, but more will be coming on that shortly. Dan, what do you want to say to people who might be interested in helping out with this?
1: Yeah, I be, I think the, the, the beauty of this course is that it's a point-to-point. Point. Uh, everybody loves that adventure aspect of a 100-miler as opposed to kind of a loop system. But what that does is it makes it um, quite complicated in terms of putting it on because the amount of aid station help and, um, you know, support that you need for a for a race like that is 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 pretty high. Um so that's you know I think the hardest part of putting on a race like that is a volunteer is the need for for people. Um I know we've already met so many people that are interested in helping but um if you if you are out there and, and you want to be part of this and whether it's just you know volunteering at an aid station that's great or if you're like hey I want to be you know, tossing around some ideas and and being part of that kind of development of the whole race. I mean, that's, I'm definitely open to ideas and suggestions on that front. So, um, and
2: if you want to run it, Oh, definitely. If you want to run it, come out. Lauren, anything you want to say to people that might be interested in getting involved and helping?
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess I would just echo what both of you have said, because, um, if you have any interest at all, at really, whether it's running or volunteering, really do reach out because that really will help us gauge where we're at as far as community engagement and how people are responding to what we're putting out there. Amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's going to take a village, but yep. we're going to do it because that was sick. That was yeah, really fun. it's <laughs> going to be awesome. awesome. I,
1: I definitely want to be on the other side of the camera, <laughs> Yeah, you know, seeing other people run run the event. I think that that's going to make it come full circle to me. Yeah, yeah.
2: you can see your baby from mm-hmm. you birthed your baby this weekend yeah. and now, I, and now I, you must raise this child raise it and be like
1: <laughs> hey, I, I see what you guys are doing i've i've been through it i know what you have coming up and you know i can you know you know live with them through that so it'll be exciting
2: okay well thank you guys for coming back in yeah, thanks,
1: thanks for thank having you. congratulations to both of
2: you this was a mm-hmm. really cool weekend and really i'm glad you got this belt under your belt dude <laughs> me too you're a wild <laughs> you're a wild guy I love it thanks guys thank you thanks season 2 episode 3 of the PRP was recorded in beautiful Ann Arbor Michigan in the Banana Tree Studio located at Ann Arbor Running Company on South Ashley Street PRP intro outro and jingle jams by Mr. Jacob Sigmund. Damn, what a guy love this experience really hope you guys enjoyed this episode it's a super unique one we ran a little bit long so thanks for tuning in and sticking with us two quick things i wanted to sprinkle on the top of the post-race reflection there first remember the dead podo tree the one from dan's poem well guess what lauren secretly went out and got a piece of that tree and made a finisher's plaque out of it for dan and gave it to him when he finished it was unbelievable it was a surprise to us all and it brought a tear to my eye so lauren you're a fucking legend You are one of the best and most genuine crew chiefs I have ever had the pleasure of being around. You are just as integral in this whole thing as Dan is, so shout out to you. Second quick thing, we really do need your help. If you listen to this episode and you had fun and you're interested, please do hit us up. Even if you don't live in Michigan, reach out, adam at preracepodcast.com, send me an email check out the Huron 100.com like we said we just purchased that domain nothing's there I'm gonna forward it to the episode link for this for now but we're trying to make this a thing we're gonna run it in some informal capacity next year and we'd love to have you join or help out in any way shape or form all right another episode dropping after Memorial day you guys take care enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the rest of your morning enjoy the rest of your evening All right, let's get a little mic check, Mr. Dam. Hello. One more, a little more than that. What should I say? <laughs> Whatever you want. That's good. That's oh, good yeah. enough. Lauren, you go. Hey, how
0: are you? What do you want me to say?
2: Yeah, you're going to have to talk louder.
0: Talk louder? Like- you
2: have a gentle voice, though, so don't like talk that's out of your, don't do don't yeah, don't synthetically don't talk. I thought it sounded good for Just here. be up on it. I clean these little guys, so feel free to give them a kiss.